Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's do this. Another day, another dollar, another edition of The Drive. You're listening to The Drive on Sixth Sense Sports Radio, SixthSenseSports.com, and the Odyssey app. My name is Carrington Harrison. Very happy to be here with you on this wonderful Red Friday. Next Friday at this time, I will be reporting to you live from Las Vegas, Nevada. Today, I'm here at a place just as warm, just as humid, Kansas City, Missouri. It is wonderful outside. Rob, I feel like we need to be doing the show outside. Me and you should have had a picnic. We should have been on a patio somewhere. This was some Western day drinking. Why are we at work today? Have you have you been outside and feel it feels like spring outside today? Can it be this way for the parade? Is there a way that we can like bottle this temperature up and in a couple of weeks on Valentine's Day when we are at the parade, can we keep this? Because you and I both know it's going to be 27 degrees the day of the parade. And snowing. You know there's going to be some sort of forecast for snow, rain, spitting, something or other. Just a miserable parade day is coming. So we got a lot to get into in today's show. Our guy Nate Taylor is going to join us in studio at 4 o'clock. We also are going to do a special Super Bowl edition of Beers with Bank. The beers that you need to have for your Super Bowl shindig for the function Jay Binkley's going to come in. We're going to drink beers. We're going to answer your six-pack of Super Bowl questions. It is going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited to be here. We'll talk about how today is a very special day in Chiefs history. But first... Pizza time on the drive. Carrington, dial me up right now. 913-586-7610. Call number six with a pizza from our friends over at Pizza Tasio. Pizza Tasio is Kansas City's best New York style pizza, and they've taken over the town. They lovingly use 100% whole milk mozzarella, all organic tomato sauce with locally grown fresh ingredients, all made by Casey guys who both know and love pizza. So whether you're in the mood for maybe a full pie or just slices, doesn't matter. Be sure to visit them now at Pizza Pizzatacio.com. That's pizza, T-A-S-C-I-O.com. I need you guys to do me a couple of favors. Number one, I need you listening to The Drive each day at 2 o'clock. Number two, I need you to tell one friend. You don't have to tell two friends, but if you want some of the best pizza in Kansas City, and if you enjoy getting the best Super Bowl coverage, you know what I would appreciate you doing. Telling one friend to turn on 610 Sports Radio. Today is the four-year anniversary of this Third and 15 for the Chiefs from their own 35. And San Francisco leading by 10. 7.13 to go in the game. Seven guys drop back into his deep zone here for the 49ers. Four-man rush, but those four are enough. Here they come. Mahomes stepping up. He's throwing long downfield for Tyreek Hill. Got it at the 20-yard line. And then spun down there the first giant chunk of the game. 
on third down and 15. And Mahomes guns it for 44 yards down to the San Francisco 21-yard line. Today is the four-year anniversary of the Chiefs winning their first Super Bowl since 1970. And as I saw this come across my timeline today, there were a couple of things that really stood out to me. And as we have, I would say, a sort of an extra show, and then once we get back on Monday, it is going to be full throttle as we get you guys ready for Super Bowl 58. I really started to think about a couple of things. Number one, I think this is the kind of win that has become to sort of define the Kansas City Chiefs over the course of this dynasty run, that they are never out of the game, and that time score situation just doesn't matter to this team. This team sort of built up that muscle over the course of this postseason. You remember, they start the Houston game. They're down 24 to nothing. They are then down to the Tennessee Titans early in that game. They are then down 20 to 10 late in the fourth quarter against the San Francisco 49ers. This team defied win probability. We all see this on ESPN. You see a certain percentage. Hey, 92% of the time, this team wins. The Chiefs have sort of thumbed their nose and laughed at that every single time when you were talking about the run that they have been on for the last couple of years, that this team just has an ability to prove the naysayers wrong. Think about this game that's coming up next Sunday in Las Vegas, how they are once again an underdog, and how good Patrick Mahomes has been historically when you are an underdog. He is arguably the best player that we have seen during this time where you are able to overcome what Vegas, what the computers tell you is the expected outcome for the game. I think that's really important to talk about today as we are four years removed from these two teams playing in the Super Bowl. Today is the anniversary. Another thing that really stands out to me as I watched the video earlier today is how calm Patrick Mahomes is in this scenario and how at that moment it is the biggest play of your life. Let's say that that ball falls incomplete. I know that it is a fourth down, but it feels like the entire game, your entire season is riding on this individual play. And the offense had really been struggling up to that point. You needed something positive to happen for the offense. You needed a spark. You needed a big play. You needed some positive momentum for the Kansas City Chiefs, and they get it. A special player in Patrick Mahomes made a special play connecting with another special player in Tyreek Hill, and you could just feel the momentum start to roll from there. I would push back on anything that suggests that there is not momentum, and I know a lot of the data. We were talking about it earlier this week with the Detroit Lions and their decision to not kick the field goals in the second half against the San Francisco 49ers. There is this belief in the analytic community that momentum doesn't exist or that it doesn't matter. There's people playing. If you've been to a college basketball game, you have felt the effect of momentum. You have seen how the crowd has an effect on the game, how it changes the course of the game. I think you see that at the professional level as well, that once Kansas City was able to make that big play, it was almost like their offense just took a deep breath. And they became the same offense that we saw over the course of the season. That is one of the five most prolific offenses in the history of the National Football League. So today we're going to bounce around and we're going to look ahead to next Sunday and talk present day. But four years ago, the Chiefs really started on this journey. And I know that we thought that 
Patrick Mahomes had a chance to be something special. It is something else to actually go out there and do it. And four years later, the Chiefs are undoubtedly a dynasty at this point. You have hosted six consecutive or five consecutive AFC championship games, and you have played in six. This is your fourth Super Bowl in the last five years. Mahomes won an additional MVP and has gone to be hands-on the best player, best quarterback of his generation, has now cemented himself, at least in my opinion, from a resume standpoint, as the third greatest quarterback of all time. It has been a very, very wild ride these last four years following the Kansas City Chiefs. It was something, as you point out, today's the anniversary. I was thinking about that moment, and I remember the year before when the Chiefs lost the Patriots, the general wisdom was they'll be back, they'll be back, they'll be back. But to that moment as a Chiefs fan, you had never experienced that level of joy, or at least a Chiefs fan of my age. So four years ago, also an incredible weather day, by the way, the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, and it felt surreal. It felt like... I can't believe this is finally happening. It gets to happen to our city. It gets to happen to our team. It gets to happen in our town. It was all these feelings of, wow, it's really happened. Four years later, it seems like it's almost commonplace, but in a good way. Chiefs fans on the text line this postseason run were wildly optimistic. I was called the hater for fair reasons, but it was because optimism was abound. That was not the sensation four years ago and one day ago. It has changed the entire culture. It has changed the entire outlook of football in this town. The idea that you lose at home in an AFC title game, you look back at that Bengals game, people say, boy, that season was a failure. That's not how football was looked at until four years ago when Jet Chip Wasp happens, and suddenly the way we perceive the NFL changed basically overnight. Coming up in just a little bit, today is the four-year anniversary of the Kansas City Chiefs winning their first Super Bowl since 1970 over the San Francisco 49ers. And four years later, we are preparing for them to play in another Super Bowl against the San Francisco 49ers next Sunday at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. Coming up, this is a sad day. If you've been listening to this show, you know how much I love the Rocky series. And today, Apollo Creed passed away. Rob, we got to pay respects to a legend. We got to pay respects to a goat coming up on the other side. Keep it right here. It's The Drive. You're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison. Remember to follow the show on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by Deep Esquale Moore. Car wreck? Get the money you deserve. Mike's got this on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. torn up today if you've been listening to this show for some time you know how big of a fan of the rocky series i am it is my favorite movie franchise from the og first five rockies to even rocky balboa to the last three creed movies there is not a movie franchise that is more near and dear to my heart than the Rocky franchise. Today, it was announced of the passing of Carl Weathers. You may know him as Apollo Creed from the series. 
Now, one of my favorite takes that I have is that we have no understanding of how good Apollo Creed was in the Rocky franchise and that he is one of the most overrated champions of all time, Rob. Think back to the Rocky franchise. There's, they're trying to tell me that he's Canelo Alvarez, that he's Terrence Crawford. That's what they want me to believe, that he's that guy. He is the best fighter in the world. Yeah, Rocky Balboa, a guy who's working in a meatpacking plant with just heart, will, and determination and the love of a woman that works at the local pet store. He is able to take the heavyweight champion of the world 15 rounds and get a split decision. You're not the champion. He then loses in Rocky two. He's retired in Rocky three, and then he dies in Rocky four. This is one of my favorite debates. One of my favorite talking points. I love this movie franchise. Carl Weathers. RIP. I mean, you played in some of the great movies of our time. You're Apollo Creed. You're in Toy Story. You're in Predator. You're in Action Jackson. You're in Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore would still be learning how to putt if it wasn't for you. He would be out hustling, trying to get nickels and dimes out there on the driving range. But you helped give Happy Gilmore a complete game. You did it while being handicapped. You're a real inspiration. You only had one hand. The other hand was wooden. It got rolled over. Carl Weathers, you're a king. I wasn't prepared for this today when I woke up, Rob. I wasn't prepared for the passing of Apollo Creed. This wasn't how I planned on starting my day, Apollo. He was just in a commercial. Isn't he in the FanDuel commercial? Doesn't he pick Rob Gronkowski up? Rob Gronkowski is just randomly walking in the desert. I don't know where he came from. I don't know how he got there, but he's just walking in the desert. And all of a sudden, a god, an angel, comes and saves him and gives him a ride and says, hey, I'll help you. I'll coach you the same way I coached up Happy Gilmore. I could coach up Rob Gronkowski so he could turn into Justin Tucker overnight. Rob Gronkowski for sure is missing that kick next week. For sure. How is he going to make it without the guidance of Carl Weathers, without his encouragement? There is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. Carl Weathers, RIP. This saddens me. I'm hurt by this. Truly tragic day. He was in The Mandalorian, which I know you don't watch, but was his fantastic Star Wars show. He just, he pops up in all the good stuff. Little small role, dominates the role, moves on to the next. Carl Weathers, man. RIP. Someone said, see, Dad, you got it all wrong. He's going to make that kick for Chubbs. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. But I just don't, I don't, I don't know how he's, I don't know how he's going to make it these next week. Who's going to coach him? Who's going to be there for him? Rob, do you like Rocky three more or Rocky four? That's a good question. I like Rocky three more. Rocky four to me, it's just, it's just a series of montages. I don't even feel like it's a story in Rocky four. I mean, it makes you feel good, but it also just, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. <laughs> like Rocky Four doesn't not, really make a lot of sense. How does it not make sense? 
They fight during Christmas. He fights over in Russia. He doesn't want to get paid. Yeah, he's doing it for his his fallen friend. His wife just doesn't know. She doesn't believe in him. The 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 storyline and plot for Rocky Four and Rocky Five don't really make a lot of sense. Rocky Five, I'll listen. Rocky Four is a staple. I think Rocky Four is better than Rocky Three, and Rocky Three is very good. But come on, now Rocky Four, just. He defeated communism by himself. No, he did. Can you imagine that's the person that was set to give the English language to people from another country? Like, I mean, that was our that was the guy. Rocky Balboa in that situation. He also got back to his roots in Rocky. No, he did. He had to train with lumber in the snow. That might be my favorite training montage out of the first one. Whenever they show how Ivan Drago was doing all the new steroid-induced training, and Rocky is just good old American muscle. Just blood, sweat, and tears. No pain, no pain, no pain. And then he's running up the mountain. That might actually be the best Rocky training montages in Rocky Four. That's all Rocky Four is. There's a series of montages. There's not really a story in that movie. In that also the one where we get the robot that says, Happy Birthday, Pauly? Yes. I mean, come on. That is what we get. Oh, that is a cultural it was a weird, icon. It was a weird love story between Paulie and the robot. It's a very, very weird, creepy love story between those two. I mean, I don't know why it's a creepy love story. <laughs> it's this. It's Paul. It's Paulie falling in love with technology, and then technology falters when Drago falls. I mean, he's a man. He bleeds. See, just so good. I want to play some audio for you guys and. I don't know why the Chiefs have this effect on everyone the way that they do. So Jed York, he is the CEO. He's the owner of the team, right? He's the owner of the San Francisco 49ers. They don't call him the owner. They call him the CEO, but he's the owner of the team. And he was doing a media availability. You know how it goes. Clark will do one next week. I believe he's going to go on with Cody and Gold next week. And Jed was asked about what he remembers from the last time that these two teams played each other in the Super Bowl. Here is the owner of the San Francisco 49ers. Here's what he had to say. I mean, I remember Nick Bosa getting held on a third long <laughs> and that not getting called. Um, like, it, it's football, right? Like, I, I, I mean, I should say this. I, I haven't talked to anybody with Detroit. Like, I, I feel for them when you're in a situation where you're up and you think you can win a game and, and make it memorable and, and things go the wrong way. And I've, I've been on good sides of that and I've been on bad sides of that, right? When, when you're up by 10 points against a team in a Super Bowl, you know, thoughts are going through your head like, wow, like we're, we're going to have a parade. Like, you know, somebody's going to Disneyland. Like, this is going to be awesome. And then you don't. And and that's, that's part of playing in the NFL, right? Like, I... I get pretty tense during games. It's because you you care so much about what happens. But I personally have next to little, if not zero, effect on what happens in the moment of a game. And that that's why, like Lynch and I laugh about it all the time. It's like I would much rather play than watch these games up in the suite because, like, when you're out there, you can you can make a play or not make a play, but you know you did it. But what it means that much to you, and you can't affect anything, it, it's a very, very helpless feeling when you're in a, a suite or you're in the stands and you're watching the game. And that's 
that's kind of how it is with, with that Super Bowl in Miami. I just thought we had it, and then we didn't. It is remarkable to me how the Chiefs have been so good over the last six years, despite never beating anybody. Every team that has lost to the Kansas City Chiefs over the last five seasons complains about the officiating or injuries every single time. There has not been one team that the Chiefs have beat over the last five years that just came to the conclusion of, man, the Chiefs are just better than we are. And if we want to beat them, we got to get better. It was a hold in the Super Bowl. It was, well, we would have won, but we lost the coin toss. So you had a chance to beat Kansas City in regulation. You couldn't get a stop with 13 seconds. I mean, you get a chance to get the ball back in overtime. The Chiefs went down the field and scored a touchdown. But you you needed a third opportunity to possibly win the game. It's a hold on James Bradbury. It's a, The Chiefs haven't beat anybody over the last five years. It is just some diabolical behind-the-scenes plan because it is all fixed for the team in the 34th media market. It is just a large conspiracy to do everything in their power to help that team win. I mean, why wouldn't the NFL want San Francisco to win? That's what, one of the 10 biggest cities in the country? I mean, it obviously is skewed so Kansas City can win and they can screw San Francisco out of the championship. That's it. No, that's exactly what it is. Of all the things you remember from the game, you remember a a non-hold? That's all you remember? You don't remember the fact that your team was up 20 to 10 with less than nine minutes to go in the game, and you lost by double digits? You know how hard that is to do? They didn't just lose the game. They lost by double digits despite being up double digits with less than nine minutes to go in the game. You don't get to complain about the officiating when that happens. No. There was no controversial, blown call, no call in the game. You just got beat. It's funny to me how, like, the players can acknowledge that Mahomes is different, but, like, never can acknowledge that Mahomes beat you. Like, I was just listening to an interview earlier today with Max Crosby. He's like, hey, I think he's the best quarterback in the league, so I want to test myself up against the best players in the league, and that makes sense. But then when you lose to them, it's like, oh, man, the league was just cheating for you. No, they're just better than you are. You know what I'm happy about for this year's Super Bowl? There shouldn't be any excuses. San Francisco is going to be healthy coming into this game. That's my understanding, right? Brock Purdy's going to be there. Trent Williams is going to be there. Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Dre Greenlaw, Fred Warner. These are two really talented, really well-coached, good football teams. The winner is the winner. But you guys know what I say. The blown holding call is the free space of loser bingo. It is the easiest thing. Oh, my guy gets held every time. No, he doesn't. Tell your guy to be better. You had a chance to win. You didn't win. These are the breaks. But I'm sick of it. And as an owner, as a CEO, as a boss, you should be against excuses. We don't allow players to have these excuses. You shouldn't be doing it in upper management. Are we also going to talk about after this alleged hold that happened, the Niners gave up 21 points in nine minutes of football. 
Because after the alleged hold, Tyreek Hill does not score on that play. There are more plays before the touchdown. The Niners get the football back, leading by three. Kyle Shanahan, Mr. 28-3 himself, throws three pass plays. No time comes off the clock. They punt. The Chiefs then score again to take the lead. Lo and behold, the Niners get the ball back one more time. Jimmy G misses a wide-open Emmanuel Sanders. If they complete the that, the, 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 the Niners maybe win the Super Bowl. Chiefs get the ball back in and score again. But they weren't good enough at quarterback, and that's why they spent the top five pick on a quarterback. But no, it was the holding. This is real loser behavior from the Niners. That's what this is. This is small energy is what it is. This is incredibly low vibrational from the San Francisco 49ers. You got beat, bro. When was, I'm honest, when was the last time that a team lost to Kansas City and just tipped their cap and said, hey, they were the better football team? Was it Miami earlier this year? I don't know if you really can blame the officials for the 26-7 thumping that the Dolphins got a couple of weeks ago. But everybody, it's always something. It's a unnecessary roughness penalty. Even though you push Patrick Mahomes six yards out of bounds. It's something every single week. I just don't know why you guys just can't acknowledge that you weren't good enough to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Keep it right here. You're listening to The Drive on Sixth and Sports Radio, SixthandSports.com, and the Odyssey app. Today is the four-year anniversary of the Kansas City Chiefs and their first Super Bowl win since 1970 over the San Francisco 49ers. So what I did was I had Rob cut various plays, highlights, moments over the last four years, and we'll go through them over the course of the show. We'll do that next. We'll continue it. Keep it right here. It's The Drive. You're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison, brought to you by Deep Esqually Moore. Car, truck, or motorcycle wreck? Remember, Mike's got this. On your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Kansas City, it's Brett Veach. You're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Today, we are celebrating... Today is the four-year anniversary of Jet Chip Watts. Kansas City Chiefs won their first Super Bowl since 1970, four years ago today. And we're just going through some of the top plays during these postseason runs. You know, next week we will dive deep into Chiefs and Niners. We'll get you ready. But today, you know what, well, we're still kind of looking back and celebrating how incredible this run has been and hoping that the Chiefs can add to it next Sunday in Las Vegas. Rob cut this play. Now, Rob, I was just thinking about Super Bowl plays, but you had another idea. This is a great moment over the last four years. You're right. And the Chiefs are going to a shotgun set here on fourth down and inches. They can take the clock down now. The play clock is at 15. The game clock at 126. They can take this thing all the way down to about a minute and 12 seconds. They snap it. They're going for it. They flood it right. Caught Tyreek Hill. Stays in bounds. The same play that they closed the game out against New Orleans. They do it to Cleveland. And Chad Henney out of the bullpen. Incredible job on a third and 14 scramble for 15. They called 13 and a half. Comes back on a roll to the right side, deking Cleveland into thinking they were going to run the clock, and they find Tyreek Hill on the right flat. The Kansas City Chiefs are going to advance in the AFC playoffs. 
I think one thing that is pretty remarkable about this run, and this is probably the same for every fan base that has a run the way that the Chiefs have over the last handful of years, is in order for you to accomplish what the Chiefs have been able to accomplish, it's not just going to be from your star players. You're going to need Daniel Sorensen in the divisional round against Cleveland to make a big play at the goal line. You're going to need Daniel Sorensen to make a stop on a fake punt to help get your defense off the field and give the offense a short field and create some momentum. It's going to be a Kadarius Tony punt return in the Super Bowl. It's going to be Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony scoring touchdowns in last year's Super Bowl. It's going to be Chad Henney coming in for a banged up Patrick Mahomes and you still win that game in advance and allow Patrick Mahomes to come back the next season. If you're going to do what the Chiefs have done, you're going to need more contribution than just your small handful of stars, whether it's Mahomes, Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Tyra Matthew, Chris Jones. They've had a lot of great players over the last four years or so. I think there's probably about 15 to 20 other guys, whether it's a Frank Clark, a Marquez Valdez-Scantling, They've gotten a contribution from about 12 to 16 other players that have helped them have so much playoff success over the last few years. We talked about it at the beginning of the playoffs. We didn't talk about it so much before the Miami game, but we talked about it before the game against the Bills. The Chiefs are going to need an X factor to step up to win games. They can't just rely on Pacheco, Rice, uh, Kelsey Mahomes. They're going to need someone. And we pointed out then, and it has been how the Chiefs have won games. Their stars are always stars. It's the notion in basketball that he's going to get his. You can't stop him. Those guys are going to get theirs. But this run, like every Chiefs successful run, has had moments where a role player stepped up big. That Chiefs team, I think, may have been the best Chiefs team of the Patrick Mahomes era, that 2020 team. They went 14-2 and two in the regular season. I agree. I think that's the best team that they've had, too. Should have been 15-1. and one. They just didn't play in the final week of the season. And in a divisional round game against Baker Mayfield, in a game that looked like they were going to rout the Browns. They came out, and they had started to put it on the Browns. Your star quarterback gets a concussion or a neck injury, whatever it was. There was some we didn't know exactly. And Chad Henney comes in, and he looks just okay but in the biggest moment of the game, he makes two big plays. You see that again last year. Mahomes checks out. We see him quarterback. He's not happy about having to go to the x-ray machine. He checks out. Boom. Chad Henney, 90-yard touchdown drive. Here we go. Like you mentioned Sorensen. Countless players have to make that one play in the brightest moments. And that is going to what wins this Super Bowl. And that's what won Super Bowl in the past for the Kansas City Chiefs. You're right. I wonder if that's sort of a consensus about the 2020 team, how that was the best Super Bowl team that I think they've had so far. I know that was the one that they lost to Tampa Bay. But you remember, they won the championship against San Francisco. They bring everybody back for the most part the next year. And that team just completely rolled through the regular season. You remember the only intrigue in the second half was, well, hey, they aren't winning these games in dominating fashion. They're not just rolling over teams. But that team ran through the regular season. That team ran through the postseason. One big thing for me heading into this game to kind of look ahead just a little bit to next week and at least some of the talking points that I'm going to have heading into the game is, it is funny how we watch football for 20 weeks, 21 weeks, and how so much of our memory and how teams are remembered really comes down to how you play in these next 60 minutes. No one outside of Kansas City talks about how good that 2020 team was. 
and how they were hands down the best team in the National Football League that year. But you remember that they lost 31-9 to in the Super Bowl and how they got completely outclassed. And I understand the context of this, but I assure you, the fan who lives in Seattle does not feel bad about Kansas City being so banged up on the offensive line, does not feel bad. It does not know nearly the context that you do as a Chiefs fan. And the biggest moment in the game with everybody watching, the Chiefs went out there and laid an egg. That's what people will remember. I think their defense has been phenomenal. I think their defense has been the best unit in the National Football League. I think it has been better than Miami's offense, better than Baltimore's offense, better than San Francisco's defense. Whatever unit you can suggest, I think their defense has been better and more consistent this year. None of that will matter if they don't play well next Sunday. No one will talk about it outside of Kansas Cityans. Sure, we'll look back and we'll say, hey, that team in 2023, that was the best defense that Patrick Mahomes got a chance to play with. But if you don't bring this thing home, if you don't shut down Christian McCaffrey next week, if you don't defend Debo Samuel really well, if you don't do a great job against Brandon Ayuk, the hard work that this defense has put in so far over the course of the season, it will be forgotten in how we talk about sports and what the history books say. This defense, I think, has a chance that not many teams get an opportunity to do. I understand that Patrick Mahomes is going to get a lot of credit But this team is in the Super Bowl because of how good their defense has been, how good their defense was in the second half in the fourth quarter against Josh Allen, and how good they were last week against the up-to-be next NFL MVP. They are now playing a team that over the last two years, I would say that they have been the second-best offense in the league. Like Kansas City's offense last year was the best offense. Maybe you would argue Philadelphia's offense last year. But a San Francisco team that has a quarterback that is incredibly accurate, has put up really good stats, the best running back in the league, a great one-two punch, and I think has the best offensive lineman in the National Football League, and a future Hall of Fame player in Trent Williams. This is the Super Bowl matchup that we all say. Sometimes you get a team that's hot. Nobody thought the Giants were the best team in 2007 or the second time that they went. We've seen some other teams get there. This is a scenario to me in which I think we have the two best teams of the National Football League over the last couple of seasons. Since Christian McCaffrey has been traded to San Francisco, I think they have been the best team in the NFC, and Kansas City has been the best team in the AFC. This is why we love the NFL so much. Very rarely do we get this, but I really feel like we are getting the best possible matchup next week in the Super Bowl. I I agree Somewhat. I think we're getting the best possible matchup because if you look at the sample size that you created over the last two years, if you're creating the sample size of even over the last month, I think you're getting the best matchup. The Chiefs and Niners have shown they are a class above the rest of the NFL this year. And if you're going to take a two year sample size, I agree. But I don't know this is the best matchup that we've seen in a Chiefs Super Bowl. I thought last year's Eagles Chiefs game was a better representation of what you're saying. The Eagles were the one seed in the NFC, and even though they had just beaten Danny Dimes and a hurt Brock Purdy, there was a thought that the Eagles were one of those type of teams. They were one of those wow teams. The Chiefs were the one seed in the AFC last year, and I think people will understand last year's Chiefs team was better than this year's Chiefs team. So if your criteria is, hey, it's the two-year sample size of basically from start of the 2022 season to now, I agree with you. But I think last year's Super Bowl is the far better matchup. Fans get what they wanted. The two best teams head-to-head, here we go, more so than this year. 
This year's more the two best teams playing the best at the right moment. This is not purely the better two teams. Yeah, I I mean, I think you could say that about Kansas City. I'm not really sure if you can say that about San Francisco. Like, I think this season San Francisco has been one of the two best teams in the National Football League all year. I think there's only been two teams that you could argue were the best team. Now, maybe we're talking about like coming into the season, you thought Kansas City. But it has been a long time since we looked at and viewed Kansas City as the best team in the National Football League. It really didn't start to happen until they beat the Buffalo Bills a couple of weeks ago that I think people started to look at them as potentially being the best team in the league. This year, the best team in the league has either been Baltimore or San Francisco. So if you are San Francisco and you want to win a championship, you got to overcome the biggest obstacle in the National Football League, the Kansas City Chiefs. And if you're Brock Purdy, you have to do something that only Tom Brady has been able to do and only Joe Burrow. you got to beat Patrick Mahomes. A Patrick Mahomes who is not dealing with an injury this year, which is rare at this point in the season. A defense that should be firing on all cylinders. We'll see what happens with Willie Gay. But obviously last week this defense played really well without Willie Gay. you got to go up against that team. And if you're Kansas City, you have to beat the two teams that people deem were the best this year to continue to wear your crown. This year, Baltimore was a better team than you for a majority of the season. You beat one of those teams. Now you got to beat the other team. If you want to keep your crown and continue to be looked at as the best team in the National Football League, you got to take care of business on a neutral site next week in the Super Bowl. That's how this thing usually works. It is astonishing to me. I know the saying, the cliche, to be the man, you got to beat the man. But it's astonishing to me every time you say it that only two quarterbacks in the playoffs have beaten Patrick Mahomes. Like, it's like a staggering fact. And I know we're going to have five shows next week to really delve in and grind out and talk deep nerdcore football, Chiefs, Niners. But we always do the say it out loud test on this show. Does Brock Purdy fit the say it out loud test to be the man by beating the man? Like, I know I've caught slack for my, you know, Ravens pick, and that's fine. But the sentence MVP Lamar Jackson beats Patrick Mahomes is not a sentence that makes you fall out of your chair. The sentence seventh round pick Brock Purdy beats Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs is a I don't know that passes the state out loud test. So to be the man, you got to beat the man. And I think Brock Purdy has a massive challenge ahead because I don't know he is the man that can beat the man. Coming up in a little bit, we'll talk about Rob's team, how they're an underdog for the first time in a long time. We'll talk about that coming up in a bit. But I am picking Kansas City to win the Super Bowl. My Super Bowl prediction is going to be 23-17. That feels about right for next Sunday's game. But I'm here to tell you that even though Kansas City might win the Super Bowl next week, they are not going to hold that crown for long, that they are simply keeping that seat warm. For my Chargers, Jim Harbaugh got introduced today. Here's what he said: "And we're in, uh, we're in, you know, one of the one of the great cities there there is. Um, you know, and one thing I know is is uh, Los Angeles, Southern California. Uh, they respect talent, effort, and winning, and um, and it needs to be multiple, multiple championships, uh, and that's." We're going to be hum- humble and hungry, uh, but, you know, that's our goal. That's our goal is to, um, you know, treat people in a first-class manner, to win multiple championships, uh, and day by day. You know, now I'm quoting Jackie Harbaugh now. 
I mean, going to be one day at a time, one game at a time, one play at a time. Did you hear what Jim Harbaugh had to say? He said he's not expecting one championship. He's past that. He's talking about championships with an S. He's talking about plural. Once you pop, the fun don't stop. So, Chiefs fans, I'm here to tell you, enjoy this Super Bowl and your parade, but just know that you are a placeholder. You are simply wasting your time until my Chargers rise up. I can't wait to pick the Chargers in June. Just wait. In March, they're going to go out, and they're going to dominate free agency. You and I both know that. Oh, they're going to go out in free agency, and they're going to manipulate that cap. They're going to make a couple of moves, and they're going to get Justin Herbert all the help that he needs. And then you know what? It's going to be it's going to be a relatively cold day for June. Cold by June standards, you know? It's going to be real windy, rainy. You know, it's not going to be warm. You're not going to be in your shorts that day. And I'm just going to walk in here, and I'm just going to look at Rob and say, Man, I think the Chargers are winning the AFC West. And I'm going to say that just to see what happens. Because some people like to see the world burn, and that's me. I like to see the world burn. Los Angeles Chargers, Super Bowl champions, 2025. Where is it at next year? New Orleans? I believe New Orleans, Oh, I can't wait. I'm going to be down there. All the beignets and charred broiled oysters that you can eat and watching Justin Herbert. Defeat Daniel Jones next year in the Super Bowl. It's going to be great. The biggest. I'm sorry. You have the Giants in the Super Bowl, too. That's the craziest part. Yeah, I got, yeah, I got, I got Charger Giants next year. Giants are going to be back. Just you wait. I, I used to quietly ride shotgun on your Charger bandwagon. I did a really good job of doing it quietly. No one ever gave me slack for being on the Chargers. You took all those arrows. I don't like Jim Harbaugh. I don't want Jim Harbaugh to be successful in the NFL. I want to see him fail spectacularly. So you know what? I'm going to of course, because you hate greatness. I'm going to be. We, a, we obviously have seen that. I hate, we, he's a cheater. No, you he's hate greatness. You hated on the Chiefs all of the postseason, and now Jim Harbaugh is here, who has always done things on the up and up, who uh-huh. has never been part of a scandal. Of course, and not. now of course you hate on Jim Harbaugh. Also, tell me how they're going to win the offseason. You have an unnatural allegiance to losers, and that's not like you. Tell me how they're going to win the offseason with the zero cap space they have. They are currently over the cap. They'll figure it out. Oh, yeah, yeah, that that team's notable for figuring it out in the front office. Yeah, they got Jim Harbaugh now. It's going to correct itself. They have everything you need. If you got Jim Harbaugh and Justin Herbert, what else do you need? You have everything you need. You have the foundation for Chip. It's about coaching quarterback, right? They got a great coach. They got a quarterback. And, uh, yeah, championships is what they got coming. Somebody said, Rob, that's real rich coming from you about cheaters. You cheer for KU. That is, that, is, that, is a lot of, that is a lot of pot calling the kettle black. Hold You're your telling horses. me you don't like Michigan football because they cheat, but you donate to the Williams Scholarship Fund? You support cheaters. Day in, day out. Correct me if I'm wrong. The FBI announced that KU was a victim in that <laughs> yeah, cabinet. Sure they, were. they were just caught up. They were innocent, and they were just a victim of the larger scheme. And then the NCAA, after basically 17 years of investigating Kansas, determined that, hey, nothing real bad happened. So if self just sits out five games, you good. 
that was already retroactive punishment. So I'm pretty sure KU came out innocent the same way OJ was innocent. Okay. All right. See, if the allegations don't fit, you must acquit Kansas. (laughs) Coming up on the other side. Coming up on the other side. Speaking of Kansas, they are an underdog on Saturday at home. I didn't think I would see this. I would take KU to beat the Pistons at home. Vegas has them as an underdog on Saturday against a team in their conference. We got to talk about it. It's the drive. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I can't believe what I just saw. So Ken Pomeroy who knows more about college basketball than maybe any living human being, a couple of days ago said that he thinks that Houston would be a five-point favorite on the road at Allen Fieldhouse. Well, the official line has come out. And Kansas tomorrow is going to be a a two-and-a-half-point underdog in their matchup at home against Houston. Now, I am not here to pat KU basketball on the back. They certainly don't need me to do that. But I've lived in Kansas City, Missouri for my entire life. You cannot convince me that another team is favored to go into Allen Fieldhouse and win. I don't care what is going on with Kansas I don't even think that this Kansas team is really that good. I've seen them twice in person, and I've probably watched them five to seven other times on television. I ain't really been super impressed by Kansas this year. But you know what? I let it slide. They're like the Chiefs. It's January, February college basketball. Can you really be that up in arms about it? But I'm telling you, I've seen enough KU basketball to know they're not losing to Houston tomorrow. Not if everyone thinks they're losing to Houston. 
Oh, Adidas will never let that happen. Bill Self will never let that happen. Hunter Dickinson, if you want them to take your name, image, and likeness money away, lose to Houston tomorrow. And all of a sudden, on the on the uh, on the fifteenth, that check gonna be coming up a little light. They brought you in to win these kind of games. You need to be competing for a Big Twelve championship. And tomorrow, I assume College Game Day is gonna be there. It's a top ten matchup. Houston, their first time going to Allen Fieldhouse. I assume that tomorrow is a really big deal in college basketball. KU is not losing tomorrow to Houston. I don't care. I know you're going to try to convince me, oh, hey, Houston's really good. I, I don't deny that. I'm sure Houston's a really good team. They're not winning at Allen Fieldhouse. Do you guys think I'm joking? I would pick KU to beat the Pistons at home. I wouldn't pick KU to beat the Pistons anywhere else. I've just seen that building. And if KU's got to shoot 27 free throws tomorrow for it to happen, they will. If KU needs to hit 11 threes tomorrow, all of a sudden, you'll have DeWan Harris look like prime Clay Thompson tomorrow. That kid can't shoot to save his life. He will tomorrow if they need him to. I I refuse to believe they are losing tomorrow to Houston. I absolutely refuse. I can't wait to bet on KU tomorrow. I can't wait. Someone said, of course they're going to shoot 27 free throws to Houston 10 because it's 8 on 5 at Allen. Exactly. I'm telling you, this is an Adidas call. This is a BCS dollar signs call. They ain't letting KU lose at home. I mean, Houston's you the better team. You going to the game tomorrow? Houston's the better team. Oh, yeah, I'm going to the game tomorrow. Houston's the better team, but, I mean, come on now. UConn's, UConn's the best team in the country. Where did they take their loss this year? Yeah, they lost to Allen. I was at that game. That This KU team is flawed. They're a spicy three seed in the NCAA tournament. They... They had the same problem that Chiefs do. It's a Spider-Man meme. They both turn the ball over far too often. But you know what? It's a top five team at home. I feel good about Kansas. This game in Houston, I feel bad. This game is in Houston. I feel like, ooh, 79-71, tough loss. Twitter is. I mean, I would say that there's no chance that this KU team is going on the road no. and beating Houston. Uh-uh. They split, and then we'll see what happens when they get to Kansas City in March. But the road team is not winning in this series. Houston is losing tomorrow at Allen Fieldhouse, and KU is losing. I don't know their schedule by heart, but if they go to Houston this year, they're absolutely losing that game. They go to Houston for their final game of the season. So the last one before Kansas City, mark it down. Lost. What's Bill Self's record in Allen Fieldhouse? Because I, I, I don't know. I don't know what games count anymore for Bill. I don't know what games get vacated. You guys had that stretch there about two years. You were cheating. You were giving Billy Preston money. You was giving his mom money. I don't know, you guys were just Western Union and wiring money to anybody. I, I don't I don't know what games count anymore towards his record. Do you know what his official record is in Allen Fieldhouse? I know that he has been the coach there for a long time, and he has lost less than 20 games in Allen Fieldhouse. According to his bio on the uh, KU Athletics page, he is 299-17 and 17 at Allen Fieldhouse. So he's taking 17 home L's. Okay. 17 people. I'm trying to think if I can name the 17 coaches. There was a time in my life where I could have. Yeah, I believe it. Especially when I was under 10, I could have no, done it. No, I 100% believe it. No, I'm, I'm with you. I, uh, I absolutely believe. I mean, Chris Beard's done it. Why can't Kelvin Sampson? Okay. No, you going to money line him tomorrow, or are you going to bet him with the number? I, I probably would just take the money line tomorrow. I'm not going to lay a lot on it, but I, I probably would. Why aren't you excited about it? KU plus 130, doesn't that feel good to say out loud? I'm with the Hawks. Just, just say it with me.
No, that's not. I'm not on that side. I don't. I don't want to be on that side. I'm going to ride all. or die with Kansas. That feels like a good sentence to say too. Okay. Who's Missouri got tomorrow? Vanderbilt. There you go. Get that. Get that SEC win. Somebody off your has back. to win their first game in the <laughs> SEC tomorrow. Somebody's got to win it. I hope. I hope it's Missouri. I mean, if they lose to Arkansas and Vanderbilt in the same week, they might not win a game in the SEC. They might not win a one. I've just decided that I'm not going to let Missouri bother me this year. They have a top five recruiting class coming in next year. They made the NCAA tournament last year. They won a game. I'm willing to just give them a mulligan for this season. I'm willing to just be like, hey, this season just didn't happen. It's been a while since I've sat down and I watched a Missouri game from start to finish. I think it actually was the KU game. I started watching the Illinois game, and I was just like, all right, you know what? I'm not going to let this team upset me this year. No, I'm not going to let them. I'm going to come home angry, mad, and upset. No, I'm not doing that. I watch parts of it. I normally watch the part that they start to win, and then something will happen. I'm like, you know what? I'm not about to let them upset my Saturday. I've had a great Saturday. It's 1 o'clock. I just took a great nap. I just had a good lunch. I'm not about to let them anger me and make me mad. Why would I do that to myself? I got. I give you guys a lot of credit for for continuing to watch your team when you know they're bad. I mean, yes, but also bad is relative. Like no, Missouri's what, bad. What you're experiencing with they're Missouri bad. this year, I don't know. Ku fans would stick that out if they were over in conference play and about to gear up with a must win. Let's see who can get it done with Oklahoma State. I don't know. It'd be the same. Let's go watch energy. But Ku's bad is a three seed in March, a four seed in March, and. Yeah, that's not bad. It's just normal. That's just that's just that's fine. That's that's basketball. That's life happening. Yeah, no, that's not bad. That's just uh, that's just normal. Uh, Nate Taylor was on Cody and Gold, and he said this. He was asked who is the best free agent signing of the Brett Veach era, and he gave a very interesting answer. And Drew Tranquil's not making five million dollars, guys. He's making like three and a half, four million on a one-year deal. Um, it's one of the best signings in Brett Veach's tenure. Um, and the fact that he can play this well with Nick Bolton and Willie Gay, who I think Willie Gay um, is trending towards playing, obviously, next Sunday, uh, it just gives them a great chance to combat Christian McCaffrey, obviously the best running back in the league. But what Drew Tranquil did against Lamar Jackson was just utterly brilliant. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. 
Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. You know how sometimes we were just kind of talking about KU, just kind of having our fun. That you kind of think, man, hey, how did how did Devontae Graham just fall through the cracks? Because Devontae Graham was originally committed to Appalachian State. And then just, you know what, I'm going to play one more year of summer basketball. I'm going to play one year of prep. And, hey, you know what, I'm good enough to go to Kansas. Like, how, how did you guys let this happen? How did the rest of the NFL let Kansas City get Drew Tranquil for a one-year $3 million deal that gave him a $1.4 million signing bonus and guaranteed him $2.4 million? Think about that. Think about how good Drew Tranquil's been this season, how versatile he's been this season, whether it has been helping you stop the run, whether it's being one of your better coverage linebackers in a game in which they didn't have Willie Gay. How did the rest of the NFL let them get Drew Tranquil for the absolute dirt cheap? A guy who was in the prime of his career. We're not talking about a guy who's like 31, 32 years old. No, we're talking about a guy who had a productive career in Los Angeles and is 28 years old. How did the NFL let him go for such a cheap number? And I don't think that's going to happen again. Like, you kind of got over the first time. You found a diamond in the rough, and you have turned a one-year, quote, prove-it contract into a guy who has been one of your best players on defense I don't think you get the hometown discount anymore. I'm not saying that he won't be back on the team next year, but we talk about that Super Bowl tax. You also got to pay guys when they go out and they perform or they put up good numbers, or you got to be willing to let them walk, go somewhere else, and then you try to start the process all over again and see if there is another Drew Tranquil that's going to be available in free agency. But I agree with Nate. When you think about how much they invested in the player, He is certainly one of the better free agent signings that they have had over the last few years or so. You got him on a one-year, $3 million, $2 million guaranteed deal, and he has been one of your better defensive players over the course of the year. And in a game in which we all knew how important it was going to be to control Lamar Jackson and help stop the run, Drew Tranquil played one of his better games of the year and absolutely the perfect spot to do so. Today we are celebrating. It has been four years since the Chiefs have gone to their first Super Bowl since 1974 years ago. Today was Jet Chip Wasp. We're going through some of the top memories over the last four years in the playoff run. Keep it right here. It's The Drive on 6th and Sports Radio. The Drive with Carrington Harrison. Brought to you by Deep Esquale Moore. Car, truck, or motorcycle wreck? Remember, Mike's got this. On 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Kansas City, it's Trent McDuffie. You're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Today is the four-year anniversary of one of the biggest moments in Chiefs history. You guys might know it by Jet Chip Wasp. Third and 15 for the Chiefs from their own 35. And San Francisco leading by 10. 7-13 to go in the game. Seven guys drop back into his deep zone here for the 49ers. Four-man rush, but those four are enough. Here they come. Mahomes stepping up. He's throwing long downfield for Tyreek Hill. Got it at the 20-yard line. And then spun down there, the first giant chunk of the game on third down and 15. And Mahomes guns it for 44 yards. 
down to the San Francisco 21-yard line. One thing that I remember from the game that we don't really talk a whole lot about, like individual like moments and memories from the game, was you remember that Mahomes scored the first touchdown of the game on the rushing touchdown, and he gets hit as he is crossing the pylon. And you remember there was the controversy with Mike Florio about getting a late hit on, on Patrick Mahomes, and he obviously heard that. He got up. He started flexing. He was saying, hit me. It was clear that it was a response to how tough he was and I thought that was a really big moment, just kind of setting the tone and tempo of the game. Now, the Chiefs didn't really play well offensively for the next, like, 40 minutes of game time. But I thought that was, like, a really cool Mahomes moment and how he bounced back and how he responded really well in that moment. We'll play another memory for you guys here coming up in a bit. But speaking of Patrick Mahomes, here's what Bill Romanowski had to say. Was this on the radio in San Francisco? Is that where he said this? All right, then. Here's Bill Romanowski. He uh, has some Patrick Mahomes thoughts. I believe Mahomes is a crybaby. And yes, he's yes, he's talented, but he is a big ass crybaby and he drives me crazy and I think we're going to outhit him. I think we're going to be more physical than them and that's going to be the difference in this football game. Why do you say he's a crybaby? I'm just curious is is cuz they complaining to the officials? Oh yeah. Yeah, it drives me crazy. You know, play the game. Okay, stop whining to the officials. That stuff drives me crazy. All right, here's I, here's my question. And I, I don't have the answer to it. Maybe you guys have the answer to it. Is there a really, really good player that we don't feel this way about? Like, think about it. Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time, right? I don't think that Patrick Mahomes really acts any different than Tom Brady. If anything, I would say that he's a little bit more measured than Tom was. We saw Tom would have his kind of moments and would go back and forth and certainly would angle to the officials to try to get calls. It's kind of the game within the game. I would say that a lot of people view Tom Brady as a crybaby. He's the greatest quarterback of all time. Patrick Mahomes, LeBron James. Certainly a crybaby on the course. He's always flopping. If you hit LeBron James in the face in a postseason game, he will lay there and roll around for hours. You might not be able to finish the basketball game. Isn't this just a trait that all of the greats have? Is there somebody that I'm missing that isn't a crybaby in this sense? I'm trying to think of who it is. Is there somebody that I'm missing? That if you are at this level, if you're not upset about the calls, if you're not trying to use that to your advantage, because this just seems like a trait that winners have. I'm trying to think of someone we've ever thought is really good that didn't get caught being a crybaby, or we say that they get all the calls. Like, Remember, like, there was the Jordan rules. There was LeBron gets all the calls. There are people who think that despite LeBron's physical stature, he would be terrible in the 90s because they're just tougher than. I think it is just something we do to try to poke holes in people that are always winning. I have a, a friend who is an Auburn fan, and they went out of their way to tell me, Nick Saban's cheating in recruiting. I want you to know Nick Saban's cheating. Nick Saban is a recruiting cheater. That's why Bama beats Auburn so gosh darn always is that he's cheating. 
Right now on the text line from 10 minutes ago, if you scroll down, non-KU fans will say, at Allen, it's 8 versus 5. It's cheating. KU is getting all the breaks, all I mean, this, that, and the other. I mean, we've seen it too many examples of that. It is what people who are angry or jealous of winners say. Romanowski, by the way, was a winner. I'm surprised he's saying this because I would tell you as a Chiefs fan, Elway got all the calls. Elway was his quarterback. Joe Montana probably got all the calls. Or Joe Montana was probably a crybaby. He was teammates with Joe Montana. So this is just something that people who are jealous of the winning sling at the feet of the winners. Hold on. I just A lot of people on the text line are saying, what about John Elway? You mean the same quarterback that asked the officials to tell the road team's crowd to quiet down so they could operate their offense? That sounds like a crybaby thing to do. I think a majority of us are crybabies. Like, I know I'm a complainer. Now I have my moments, and I'm certainly better than what I used to be. But, oh, if I don't like something, I will 100% complain about it. I think maybe you start to do that as more as you get older, Rob. You know me, Rob. We're going out to eat. If I don't like something, hey, uh, ma'am, can you come here? I'm, I'm communicating what I don't like about this. I don't mind it. I would say this is part of the game. If you're a college basketball coach and you're not working the officials to try to get a call, I would say you're not doing your job effectively. That's part of it. And we've seen how that can have an effect on it. You got to be doing your job. You got to be working. This is just a characteristic of the winners. This is what they do. This is what the greats do. The greats complain. We don't think Mike was complaining, trying to get calls. He wasn't getting mad at officials. We know he was. This is the game. Bill Romanowski, today we are celebrating four years ago today, the Kansas City Chiefs won their first Super Bowl since 1970 as they defeated the San Francisco 49ers. Here's a great memory from the postseason runs. Spread set, Hurts by himself in the backfield, threat to run and throw, crouches down, he wants to run it. The ball's out, he kicks the ball, it's picked up by Kansas City, they're going to the 20, to the 10, to the 5, touchdown, Kansas City, a defensive score by Nick Bolton, Hurts got hit and kicked the ball, picked up by Bolton, and the Chiefs defense gets an incredible touchdown at 9.39 to go, second quarter. Rob, can you acknowledge, and I know you don't want to acknowledge it, can you acknowledge that we were almost this close to Nick Bolton winning Super Bowl MVP? We were one incorrect call away from Nick Bolton winning Super Bowl MVP. I mean, he was right there. I still think that's a fumble. One of the things that I hate most about the NFL is we have created this like three-second gray area where nothing bad can happen for the offensive player. Think about all the things you got to do for them to register that you caught it. You got to catch it, get two feet down, keep full possession. You got to turn around, spin, take two steps, point to your girlfriend in the stands, and then we will give you a catch. No. I think that is a catch fumble and that the Chiefs should have had back-to-back touchdowns from Nick Bolton. And if he gets two defensive touchdowns in the Super Bowl, oh, Nick Bolton is Super Bowl MVP. If you had the field last year for Super Bowl MVP, you really got robbed. And FanDuel should give you some of your money back. 
Because Nick Bolton should have won Super Bowl MVP last year. He already had one major defensive play in the game, and he had another defensive play in the game, but they took it away from him because the rules in the NFL are inconsistent. And they didn't want to see hashtag M-I-Z. They didn't want to see us flourish and dominate the Super Bowl. So there's a couple things at play here. One, I will admit, if Nick Bolton had scored two defensive touchdowns in the Super Bowl, it would have been hard to deny he was MVP. It would have been hard to deny. I agree with that. I also don't like that that second one is ruled the way it's ruled every time. I don't like that rule in the NFL. I agree with you. So on both counts, I agree. Here's the thing, though, about the second You're one. You're about to start hating. I know you are. Here's the second the thing. They've called that consistently the way they did in the Super Bowl all the time. I don't like it. You don't like it. I don't think any fan likes it. But that is consistently how that is called. So is it the wrong call? Maybe. But is it one they call that way always? Yes. So since that is called that way every single time in the league, I don't think he was that close to a second touchdown. I think the way they officiate the game made it pretty obvious, yep, the second one's not going to be a turnover. And thus, it washed away any chance of him winning Super Bowl MVP. In that moment, it rinsed away. I would also be fascinated to see what the voters did in that world where he gets two because Mahomes still would have gutted out a tough victory in a 30-plus point game with a bum ankle as the best player in the league. It would have been a real Sophie's choice for voters in the box. Do you give it to Mahomes who gutted out a Super Bowl victory and was a large part of it, or do you give it to the defensive player? I would have been fascinated to see how they would have voted. I would have given it to Nick Bolton for this reason. You would have been the first defensive player to score two touchdowns in a game. I think if you are the first to do something in a Super Bowl, I think you should win MVP. This is the 58th time they've had this game. It's hard to be the first to do something. As great as Patrick Mahomes is, it's kind of unlikely that he's going to be the first to do something on next Sunday. You know, we've seen a guy throw for 500 yards. We've seen a guy throw for three, four touchdowns. He probably won't be the first. If you're telling me that Snead gets three interceptions and he's the first one to do that, then Snead should win the award. Snead should win the award. I really do like the field in this game. Like right now, if you told me quarterbacks on one side and you would give me every other player to win Super Bowl MVP, I think I like it. Because just in last week's, the AFC and NFC championship game, I think the MVP on both sides would have been non-quarterbacks. I think it was Brandon Ayuk in the NFC Championship game. They do not win that game without the Brandon Ayuk catch and how it flipped the course of the game. And I believe he had two touchdowns. Maybe I'm misremembering it. But Brandon Ayuk was really, really good last week. And I think that Travis Kelsey would have won it. I think this is a year that we get a non-quarterback, a non-quarterback to win Super Bowl MVP. I mean, I think I think that's where I'm at too. But just thinking of the game script in my head, it's either – and I'm not putting these A and B in order of likelihood. It's either that Brock Purdy scores enough against the Chiefs defense, the vaunted Chiefs defense, to win the Super Bowl, or Patrick Mahomes returns the form and looks like Patrick Mahomes in way of another Chiefs Super Bowl. Man, it's hard to think either one of those narratives, which MVP is a narrative-driven award, the same way it's in the league as in games. It's hard to imagine either one of those narratives gets undone unless something spectacular happens. Like, 
unless McCaffrey runs for 175 or Kelsey is 12 catches on 12 targets, but has two TDs for 120. I mean, something spectacular has to happen for a non quarterback to do it. And it has to be super duper spectacular for me to think it's not going to be McCaffrey, Purdy, Kelsey, or Mahomes. Yeah, I would say probably the three most likely non-quarterbacks. I mean, Mahomes is, I mean, I, I think the Chiefs are winning the game. So Mahomes is certainly the favorite to win. If you think San Francisco is going to win, if their quarterback is probably the favorite. I'm looking at the odds right now. Christian McCaffrey is at plus 450. So if you bet 10, you would get back $55 if the uh, if Christian McCaffrey wins Super Bowl MVP. And then there's just a big jump. Travis Kelsey is 16 to 1. Debo Samuel is 33 to 1. You know what? I wouldn't mind taking a flyer. We talked about it earlier in the week. I would take a flyer on Travis Kelsey. I also would take a small flyer on Isaiah Pacheco. Probably just five bucks. You're getting him at 35 to one to win Super Bowl MVP with how this team runs the football. If he has an 18 carry, 115 yard, two touchdown kind of day, which I think you could possibly do against San Francisco, I think he has a chance to win Super Bowl MVP. I mean, I think. I think he has a chance. I don't think he's very high on my list. I, I don't know I'd waste dark horse money on him. Like, the way the number is set up, I I think, I think I'd think i go somewhere different. I don't see him as my dark horse pick. At that point, I would pick, like, Chris Jones. Because I could argue in the first Chiefs Super Bowl, Chris Jones should have won MVP. And if the Chiefs dominate defensively, it's going to be on the back of Chris Jones. So if you're going to dark horse it, lean super into it and get Chris Jones. I don't know Debo's the best MVP play. Someone said it's impossible for a non-quarterback to win if a receiver has two touchdowns. That means someone threw the ball to them. I mean, Cooper Cup won MVP two years ago in the Super Bowl. I mean, I, I actually think that Aaron Donald probably should have won MVP, but I wasn't mad that Cooper Cup was the MVP. I don't think it's impossible in this game. Dion Branch won MVP. Yeah. I mean, does anyone know where Dion Branch is today? Like, Dion Branch was a Super Bowl MVP in a Super Bowl where Tom Brady threw him the ball. Like, it happens. Yeah, I, I actually, I, I really do like a, a small wager on a non-quarterback to win Super Bowl MVP. Coming up in about 30 minutes, we're going to be joined in studio by Nate Taylor of The Athletic. Keep it right here. It's The Drive on 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison. Remember to follow the show on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by Deep Esquale Moore. Car wreck? Get the money you deserve. Mike's got this on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Get off my bumper. Traffic. Brought to you by Deep Esquale Moore. Car, truck, or motorcycle wreck? Remember, Mike's got this. Two accidents on northbound 35. One just past Johnson closing the left lane. The other northbound 35 to 95th Street. Heading out of downtown, there is debris on the roadway. Northbound 35 just past Front Street closing two right lanes. I'm Lori Pearson, 610 Sports Radio. Get off my bumper traffic. Kansas City, it's Isaiah Pacheco. You're listening to The Drive with Keraton Harrison on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Coming up in about 30 minutes or so, we're going to be joined in studio by Nate Taylor of The Athletic to catch up with him. He's heading to Vegas. I'll be there next Friday. We're working on having the beat writer for San Francisco and also Nate Taylor together with me on Radio Row to take a closer look at this game. Got a lot of cool stuff planned next week. Really excited to really dive deep into this game between the two teams, in my opinion, who have been the best teams in the National Football League 
over the last 18 months or so, since the Christian McCaffrey trade, I think that San Francisco has been the best team in the NFC, and I think Kansas City has been the best team in the AFC. I think it's going to be a really exciting Super Bowl. So today is the four-year anniversary of Jet Chip Wasp, and we're celebrating that. We'll get stories from Nate Taylor, who was at the game and has been at all three of the Chiefs Super Bowls so far and plans on being there next Sunday. Here is another big-time memory from the Chiefs over the last four years. And a three and out for the Eagles, their first of the game. At 10.33 to go in the game, Sipos will punt. End over end, shorter punt. And Tony will take it low at the 35. Now cuts back to the right. He's got a wall set. If he can get to the edge, they can need to block the putter. They do. Tony's at the 40, up the sideline, at the 30. He's at the 20. Tony with the block trying to stay in plays down to the five-yard line. Tony ran out of gas on a 65-yard punt return. And the Chiefs lead 28-27. They'll have first down and goal to go at the Eagles' five-yard line with 10-11 to go in the game. You know what? You know, guys, you know I love my relationship analogy. This is probably the best analogy that I have for Kadarius Tony. I think all of us have been on a really nice date with someone. Like, you just got, you had good chemistry with them, you know, and just for whatever reason, it just didn't materialize past that one day. You know, you don't have anything bad to say about them, you know, for whatever reason, things just. Maybe they just didn't develop how you thought they were going to develop after that moment. I think there was a lot of optimism around Kadarius Tony last year. And I certainly get why. You got him for pennies on the dollar. You got him with a draft pick that you found on the ground. Like the only reason why the Chiefs had that extra draft pick is because Ryan Poles is black. Like that's a fact. The NFL, they now change the rule that if you hire a minority front office person, you get a compensatory pick. The Chiefs got a compensatory pick. They then use that pick to then trade for Kadarius Tony. So it felt like you found money that was just on the ground. Hey, you were not expecting this. So you went, you went out and you got Kadarius Tony. And you know what? Kadarius Tony showed you a little bit. He had that first game against the Giants. Or I think it was Jacksonville. He played really well. He had... You know, 70 scrimmage yards. He had that great catch on the sideline. And you were starting to think of, hey, this guy is the X factor. He's the explosiveness that we need. He battled with injuries. He had a big play in the Super Bowl. And I think there was a belief that, you know what? This is going to be Kadarius Tony's year. He is now heading into year three of his career. He is now in a healthy place. He is now on a great team, great organization. You got Pat. You got Andy. You got Ma- you got Kelsey. You got a great structure here in Kansas City. You know what? It just hasn't worked with Kadarius Tony, and that's okay. I still think that it was a really good trade. Now, we all value the punt return very differently, and I feel like Rob, you and I are just we are on the wrong side of this argument with everybody else. Like, I don't think the punt return was maybe as big as everybody else thinks it is, and maybe as instrumental in the Chiefs winning the game. But it is a big play in the second half of the Super Bowl. I get why people feel that way. But even knowing what I know about the Kadarius-Tony trade, I still don't think it is a bad trade. I don't think he has been a great player by the Chiefs in any means. And I would even still, I, I'm on your side, Rob, that they probably still paid too much for a player. If you give up a, a third-round pick 
for a player who has not consistently shown you that he can be a wide receiver on your team. And outside of that play also hasn't been a great special teams player for you. But I do like what they did. You had this extra draft pick. You had this compensation. You decided to take a, a, a free play. That's what it is to me, a free play. You decided to use that on Kadarius Tony, a guy who had first-round talent, and it hasn't necessarily hit the way that you thought it was, but that is a mindset that I want the Chiefs to continue to do. I mean, you're not going to hit those at a very high percentage. You know? You're not going to hit those at a high percentage. So I, I will never fault the Chiefs for taking the chance on Kadarius Tony with the draft pick, and he has made some plays, just maybe not as consistent as you would like. You're gonna push me back into my hater bag. Why? Why are you? Why are you backing me into a corner? You don't really move there. Why? Why are you push me this way? I'm confused. You just said I agree with you, Rob. They probably paid too high a price for Kadarius Tony. I think me and you value the one play he made very differently. I don't think he's been worth it for the Kansas City Chiefs. But the trade is still a success. You explained why the trade isn't a success, but still call it a success. How come you're saying he's not worth the pick value you gave up? He's only made one play. He's now more notable for Instagram Live than he is ever being on the field. It ain't good. And you you don't value the punt return the way everyone else does, and yet you're still, yep, worked out. It seemed like you I, explained. I didn't know. I did not say it worked out. I said do I don't again. think it has hurt them that much. I mean, last year, this team had a lot of draft picks. This team, in, in that draft class, this team had... 11 picks. They had 11 picks, and they hit on a lot of those picks. You got Trent McDuffie. You got George Karloftis. You got Leo Chennault. You got Brian Cook. You got Isaiah Pacheco. They got a lot of players there. So I think when you do that, I do think, maybe to use a casino analogy, you came in there with $100, and you turned that 100 into a $1,000. You had a great day at the casino. I don't really think it's that big of a deal if you take another 100 and you say, hey, you know what, I'm going to play one spin of roulette. You know what, I'm going to play one spin. And if I hit, great. Or if I lose, you know what, I'm going to walk out of here with my $900 my hand, with my head held high, and I'm going to be fine. It's just hard for me to fault them for mismanaging a draft pick when they were so good with all of their other draft picks. I mean, you drafted Trent McDuffie. He's a first-team All-Pro guy. You drafted George Karloftis. By year two, he was a 10-sack guy. You drafted Brian Cook, who's a starter for your team. You drafted Leo Chennault, who was a great role player for your team. Also got him with the other third-round pick. So last year, you got Kadarius Tony with one of the third-round picks. You got Leo Chennault with the other third-round pick. You then got Joshua Williams, who's been good. You got Jalen Watson, who's been good. You got Isaiah Pacheco. You hit on like six of these picks. To me, you're allowed to take a free play. You're allowed to take a flyer. And I, I'm, I'm fine that it, that it wasn't a home run swing. You're looking at it wrong. You're looking at it wrong. First off, that's the wrong draft class. That draft class is all on the field with Kadarius Tony. You got to look at this year's draft for what they missed. Secondarily, we but know it, the but story. It would have been, been a 2022 pick, though, right? No, it would have been a 2023 pick. They well, traded. Let, let me check to be sure. Hold they, on, let me see. It was in the middle of the year last year because Kadarius Tony in last year's Super Bowl made the play. It was October 30 ish of 2020. No, hold on, I'm sitting here reading it right here. Hold on. 
So I'm on NFL.com. The New York Giants are trading the speedy wide receiver to the Chiefs in exchange for a 2023 third-round compensatory yes, pick and a 2023 sixth-round pick. 2023 pick would have been oh, the yeah, one right. in Kansas no, my bad. City. No, you're right. My bad. So I'm off. Right. No, you're right. My bad. I, I apologize. So you're, you're right. looking at all wrong there, first and foremost. Secondarily, what was the story of the draft in Kansas City, other than how good the city did putting it on? The Chiefs were begging. They were trying their hardest. They were doing everything physically possible to move up into wide receiver territory. They probably could have moved up. But they didn't have enough draft capital to move up. You know what would have been better than Kadarius Toney, a guy who Veach thinks is going to be a star, or at one point that was going to be a star. You know how you get into that Zay Flowers, Quentin Johnston range? If you have more draft capital. You know how you have more draft capital? You don't trade for a guy who after two years the fan base is done with. No, you're right. My bad. See, you just pushed me. I was so no, I mean, positive I, I, this week. I'm here to tell you, Rob, that I made a mistake. I mean, I still disagree, but I was applauding. The, the, you're right. No, you're right. You're 100% right. I mean, once you put him a part of that draft class, it definitely looks different. Because mm-hmm, now you got I mean, because that draft class is Felix, Rasheed Rice, Wanya Morris, Chamari Connor, B.J. Thompson, Keandre Coburn, and Nick Jones. That's a, that's a, that's a very okay draft. <laughs> It's even, a very, very okay Even with draft. Kadarius Tony, it just yeah, no, it's not average. good. No, you're right. No, I, uh, you know what? I, I, I want to apologize to you. I want to apologize to you for that. That's my fault. I'm wrong, and you're right. You're wrong. I'm right. Uh, I would like to play some audio for you, so you guys know that the Chiefs—they've been doing the uh, the swag surf. Well, I don't know who reached out to the actual guys who sing the song "Swag Surf." But they asked them their opinion on Taylor Swift and, you know, her doing the swag surf back during the Dolphins game. Let's hear the audio. My initial reaction to Taylor Swift swag, swag surfing was I thought it was dope. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, I automatically knew it was going to be a good look just because of who she is. You know what I'm saying? What she got going on. Our streams across all platforms is up 700 percent um yeah that's swift surf i'm telling you the swift and surf she got a rap though Back. Them bars, Taylor. she got a rap on that thing man now, that'll be dope and then look she can break us out at the at the at the concert too man you know what i'm saying on tour like so it's it's dope bro if she taylor can do whatever she want to do man you know what I'm going to guess? I'm going to guess that uh, the gentlemen that created the Swag Surf, I'm going to guess they're not going to be on the Eras Tour. I'm just going to go out on that limb. I'm going to make that prediction. I mean, you are a minus 10,000 no for you being a guest appearance on the uh, on the Eras Tour. You're not going to be there. I also don't think that Taylor Swift is going to be doing a uh, Swag Surf remix, even though I would very much be here for a Taylor Swift, her rendition of Swag Surf. I'd be for it. A Taylor's edition? I'd be a big fan of it. I'd be uh, I'd be very much there to hear uh, her rendition of. Would Swag you Surf. though? Because you don't like when she covered Rihanna's song. It was not good. It wasn't good. I'd want to hear it though. What else did she cover? She covered something else that you weren't a fan of. Yeah, she did uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire That's September, which I mean, we can play it right now. It's not good. It's it's bad. <laughs> it's it's real bad. She took all the seasoning off of the song. She took what made the song the song. It's not good. She's great at singing her own songs. They got like a melody and a harmony and like a feeling to them. When she sings those songs, she takes all the feeling away from them. You know, it's no, no thanks. 
But I wouldn't mind her getting on this one, though. I, would, I wouldn't mind hearing her swag surf rendition. You know, I wouldn't mind it. I wouldn't mind hearing it. I'm how, how excited do you think the guys who sing Swag Surf's publicist was when TMZ reached out? Oh, you were talking about Swag Surf? Perfect. Hit me up. No, they, yeah, I mean, they were waiting on that phone call. They saw her doing that. They were just sitting right there. Please call us. Please. Do you think any one of the Swifties had Swag Surfed before she did it in the Dolphins game? Yes, that was a popular song before Taylor Swift. I'm talking about the hardcore Swifties. You're 23 year old. I don't know. It's hard to be bopping around. This is the thing I don't understand about the Swifties. This is what I don't get. We talk about the Swifties like they are like from another planet. Like the NFL's most popular thing in the world. Just these people just were not watching football before. Last year's Super Bowl was the most watched game ever. None of the hardcore Swifties were watching the Super Bowl last year, and they just appeared this week to start watching football when Taylor started watching football. First off, I, I love football. You love football. Football's the most popular league in the United States. It's not the most popular thing. Taylor Swift's popularity dwarfs it. There are people who on Sundays were listening to her version of Red and not watching the Chiefs' Red Wave take over the NFL. That's a thing that happened a okay, lot. Okay, but then I would wonder, though, like, what song, like, what song do you think, like, the Swifties haven't heard of? Like, let's say the Chiefs, like, remade the Cha-Cha Slide. Are we just going to be like, oh, people have just never heard this song before? Like, what if she remixed Cupid Shuffle? And she did her own version of Down, Down, Do You Dance to the Left. Have the Swifties not heard of the Cupid Shuffle? Are we a- Swag Surf is at that no, level. Yes, it's it is. Not. No, it's not. Swag Surf. Is- I will fight for the Swag Surf. You know what Swag Surf's at? It's at the wobble level, which is a lot. <laughs> it's a notch below. Everyone okay, knows- it might actually be the- at the wobble it- level. So you know what? It's a little more niche. Y'all don't be wobbling? Not the same way. Okay, I didn't know. I mean, there are people in my America who wobble, but it's not no, the I same. No, I just didn't know. I didn't know. What are the what are the the songs like you're getting married in a few months? What are the songs that like the DJ plays you think that they're like going to get on the dance floor? Like I assume the cha-cha slide. I I've, I've been Safe at a two Americas wedding and I I've seen that people can do the cha-cha slide. I've been in the Cupid shuffle. Mm-hmm. Is there another song? Is there another song like someone says that it's at a stanky leg level? No, I think Swag Surf is ahead of the stanky leg. I think it's ahead. That's probably fair. Yeah, it's it's ahead of the stanky leg. It's been a while since you've heard the stanky leg out in public. Yeah, it's stanky leg probably like the do the jerk level. That was <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. That's a good yeah, one. I mean, that, so I'm that being serious for a while. What is the other song that gets your America up to the dance floor? Like, what's the everybody start dancing? Like, there's this song. It's uh by Frankie Beverly and Maze. Before I let go, that's a song that always gets the. Gets the people going. They get up. They start dancing. It's a good song. What What's your version of that song? I mean, I think it's both the Cupid Shuffle and the Cha Cha Slide. I'm trying to think if anything else falls into that category, but that's that's kind of like maybe the Macarena, maybe. Yo, if you do the rock, if but you, I don't. I, mean, that, I don't think I'm, that's going to be serious. popular. If enough. you do the Macarena at your wedding, if you have me doing the Macarena, I swear to you, I'm taking back your gift. <laughs> I'm taking back your gift. I am going to go on the table, I'm going to grab my box, and I'm going home. Actually, Hey, Carrington, where are you going? I'm leaving because you guys are doing the Macarena. Do you know what the answer probably is? It's that song by Journey. The Touching Hands song? No, that's Sweet Caroline. I'm talking about the one where it's... Uh, oh, Don't Stop Believing? Don't Stop Believing, yeah. 
Y'all be dancing to that song? People go crazy, but I don't stop believing. I never seen people dancing to it, though. It just gets people to the dance floor. Okay, it I didn't just know. gets people moving. I didn't know. I'm learning, man. I didn't know. You really taught me a lot this segment, man. You really did. You're I welcome. feel I I feel well learned. It's worth noting segment. that the uh, Don't Stop Believing is on my don't playlist for my wedding. So Okay. I got you there. All right. September, someone says, September's both Americas. Someone said, Cedar, you're very wrong here. I had no clue what it was until now. I would just like to point out that the Chiefs have been doing this now for four years. The same dance. They did this exact same dance when Tyra Matthew was on the team. They did it in a win against the Jets. Like, they have been doing this for a while. The same team that you guys follow. It, it, it's, not, it's not even new for them to be doing this. It, is, it has been a thing. I guess it's like Travis Kelsey's haircut. No one had had that haircut before Travis Kelsey had had it. It's sweeping the nation. <laughs> it's sweeping the nation. Uh, coming up on the other side, we're going to be joined by Nate Taylor of The Athletic. He covers the Kansas City Chiefs. He just lives at the Super Bowl now at this point. We'll talk to him about it. Keep it right here. It's the drive. He spends all of his fall and winter at Arrowhead. In Arrowhead, Chiha, Kiha, wherever stadium. <laughs> and is plugged into the Chiefs like no one else. I'm just letting everybody know, Veach thinks he's a star. It's 4 o'clock on Friday, and Nate Taylor from The Athletic joins Dot on the drive. Welcome back into the show on 610 Sports Radio, 610sports.com in the Odyssey app. I look to my right, and it is Nate Taylor of The Athletic who covers the Kansas City Chiefs. Nate Taylor, you basically at this point have a residency at the Super Bowl. I mean, just every year you should just plan to go. It was funny. So yesterday we had Peter King on the show, and Uh I asked him, you know, what does he have at a Super Bowl party? And he said, mm. I've never been to a Super Bowl party. Holy smokes. That's what, that's what Peter King said. Can you imagine wow. that? Peter King said, I've never been to one before. He said his first Super Bowl was Montana Marino. That was, and he's been to everyone 80, since That was then. what, 82? Oh, my God. At this point, you know what? Your son's going to ask you about a Super Bowl party. <laughs> You're like, man, it's been, it's been 20 years since I've been to one. I forgot what they were like. I don't know. Yeah, the, uh, the last Super Bowl party I had was just a little small gathering at my house for Bengals Rams. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so one of the funny things is uh, Holly, my wife, Around this time of year, you know, this is before the AFC Championship game, of course. And I was like, hey, you know the drill. If they're if they're winning, you better start looking at flights, you know, to to come with me. So, yeah, this is three of the last four years. Um, obviously, 2020 with the or 2021, I should say, with the COVID. Um, but, yeah, she's going to be with me in Vegas. And, uh, yeah, this has gotten weirdly comfortable the idea of like even though it's in vegas for the first time and that's going to bring its own uh hoopla i at least know what to expect um when you do cover the super bowl for a week in a in a very warm city even though it's not going to be warm in las vegas sadly can you believe that they made it to this point uh yes it's, because this is still odd, but I can believe it. I'm not like because you and I talked about it this whole time. Uh-huh. And it's not like you and I discredited them. No, but, but we talked about it like, well, hey, if everything falls right, 
I don't think everything fell right for the Kansas City Chiefs <laughs> in the postseason. Like, if you had to give them a grade for how they played in the AFC Championship game, their defense gets an A. Right. But their offense, it was inconsistent as it's been. Mm-hmm. They then had a, a touchdown get taken off the board by a pencil. Like, they made a lot of the same mistakes that they made over the course of the season. Like, we talk so much about margin of error and what this team yes. This team's margin of error was much larger than any of us thought heading into the month of December. Especially when they're, you know, the best team in the league makes more mistakes than them, which was something that had not really occurred all year. Um, I, I won't say I doubted them, but I would just say it's understandable. We have 19 years of sample of the champion not being able to repeat. The Chiefs are the last former champion to even get to the Super Bowl. So the fact that they've done that now, two out of the last four years is is wildly impressive. But, like, look, I mean, we saw them drop balls or drop passes. You know, we saw them have mistakes. Tur- turnovers have been such a key point of deciding their games all season. Like, the idea of them going right down the field and then a turnover would happen. You'd be like, oh, yep, could, could see that coming. Like, you know, because the defense on the opposing team wants to – forced them to do it over and over and over again. And this team lacked discipline, I felt, at time, or lacked concentration when you needed it. Um, But with these new challenges of going on the road, with being the, you know, the underdogs, uh, they have risen to the moment. And ultimately, it'll be, like, let's say they win next Sunday. And they are, you know, three championships in five years. I just wonder five years from now, are, is the defense the first thing that people are going to say? Because it's what they should say, but you still got Hall of Fame Travis Kelsey, Hall of Fame Patrick Mahomes, obviously Andy Reid, um, you know, still leading the offense for them to find answers, even if they don't have all the best pieces that they've usually had. Obviously, Pacheco deserves a ton of credit, but I just wonder if they win, like, Will the defense still get proper credit? Because the defense is what's been the most um, the most memorable part of this season, even with Mahomes elevating his performance uh, in January. I think a lot of it depends on kind of how the game is played out. It was funny. We talked about this earlier in the show. That Rob and I agree that the 2020 Chiefs is probably the best oh version that they've God. had during this run. People, like do, that team, people do not remember how good that team is. You want to know why, though? They lost in the Super Bowl. Yep. That if they had won and they had gone fourteen and two, they ran through the postseason mm-hmm. and won the Super Bowl. People would talk about the twenty twenty Chiefs team as one of the ten greatest teams that we had ever seen before. Yes. Like they would be in that conversation of great football teams. This defense is sixty minutes away. Now they're not going to be talked about like they're the Legion of Boom or right. one of those defenses. But I actually do think people are going to remember it. If you're telling me in three straight games, I am four. Right, considering you, next yeah, like, Sunday. Yeah. You, so you stop Miami's offense. Uh-huh. You then go on the road and beat Josh Allen in Buffalo. Right. You then hold Lamar Jackson to 10 points in his house. That's crazy. And let's say that on Sunday they hold Christian McCaffrey to 71 yards rushing. He doesn't score a touchdown, and San Francisco scores 13 points in the game. People are going to remember the defense, and Pat is going to so. get a lot of credit, and Pat right. should get a lot of credit. 
But I've thought this for a while. Their defense is the best unit in the National Football League. Like, if you take all 64 sides, offense, defense, Mm -hmm. Kansas City's defense has been the best and most consistent unit in the NFL. Your defense gets a lot of credit if you finish this thing off or if you lose and you don't. That's a great point. No one is ever going to talk about the defense that doesn't live in the 913 or 816. Yeah, that's that's a great point, especially when they've had memorable plays, right? Of course, the idea of, being able to just take the ball from Tyreek Hill in Germany and score on it. The idea that, you know, Mike Edwards, who was, you know, just a guy they picked up in free agency as a rotational piece, has scored two touchdowns this season. Um, Legereus Knee just smothering, you know, the best receivers in the league. Um, Chris Jones obviously still remaining dominant. George Karloftis having 10 and a half sacks. Uh, Drew Tranquil, you know, being just as complimentary uh, as you know, Nick Bolton and, and obviously Willie Gay. So there really is a chance for them to be special. And I, I have to say this. I know we're going to talk about it even more next week. Man, they got the best collection of skilled players <laughs> in the league. It's not even close, guys. Brendan Ayuk is fourth on the list. That's that's like they have Christian McCaffrey, who uh, outside of Lamar Jackson was I would vote for him number two in the MVP standings because he just scores all the time and he's amazing. They have, of course, Debo Samuel. Uh, no one else like him in the league. They have George Kittle, maybe the third best tight end in the league, if you want to include Sam Laporta. Um, and, yeah, and just Brennan Ayuk, who's a deep threat, who's a great receiver, who gets wide open. So if they hold San Francisco, the Chiefs defense, if they hold the 49ers to 20 points and they win – it's a it's a it's a massive achievement for Steve Spagnolo um and a collection of players who all sort of had their best seasons together. I still think Chris Jones had his best season last year, but everybody else has gotten better. And that's hard to do be and it sort of to your point um confirms that they've been the most consistent cuz no one scored 28 points on them all year, which is Crazy in a pass-happy league where most of the rules are designed for the offense to have an advantage. No one has scored 28 points. So good luck, Brock Purdy. But at least he has the skill position players to challenge the the Chiefs defense as sort of the last level of the video game. Right now we're talking to Nate Taylor of The Athletic. This was the point that I made about the game. I understand why the algorithm likes San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Like when they have had Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel healthy since the trade, they are 22 and 2 with both of them in the lineup. Wow. They have been really really good when both of them play. Wow. They this season, uh-huh. I think we're pretty consistently either the best team in the league or the second best team in the league from start to finish. Yep. That if you were just putting all the raw data, raw numbers into the computer and said, "Hey, who do you think wins this game?" San Francisco probably wins this game more times than not if you were playing this game on paper. But I think what we learned last week is you can't play the on-paper game with this version of the Kansas City Chiefs because they just defy the on-paper <laughs> game. Like they, 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 they just do. And right. I also think that the same way that we were talking about with Dan Campbell, I don't know if you can take how successful you were on fourth down in October yeah. and now apply that same information to late January with the Super Bowl. I don't know if it's fair anymore to look at the Chiefs' offense for how they played in week 11. I don't think that's their offense anymore. Right. Something has changed with Kansas City in the last six weeks where I think they have figured out how this team needs to win. 
I think it took them 15 weeks to figure out how <laughs> this team needs to win. Yes. But this team wins by Patrick Mahomes playing smart and not taking negative plays. Yep. Being committed to running the football with Isaiah Pacheco, mm-hmm. getting the ball to Rasheed Rice, Travis Kelsey, and not really throwing it to anybody, anybody else, else on your team. Unless you are wide open, Marquez. <laughs> and then going out there and playing really good defense. Like, yeah. For two months. I did it. You did it. We all were like, hey, maybe this offense should get Richie James involved. Hey, maybe they should get. No. The thing is, stop throwing it to all of them. Stop throwing it to Justin Ross. Stop throwing it to Richie James. Stop trying to figure out new ways to get Noah Gray involved or Justin Watson. Get the ball to your playmakers. Don't turn it over and play really good defense. If they do that on Sunday against San Francisco, I like their chances. The the stat that continues that I continue to just look at and stare at um, because, man, that, that Debo Senior, Christian McCaffrey, because they, they are so interchangeable and they can, they're positionless, basically, as skill position players. Yes, it's, it's a crazy stat. Um, they're going up against the offense in the Kansas City Chiefs that I would like to remind everyone had their receivers drop 25 passes this season. 25! 25, 25 times Patrick Mahomes put it in the appropriate spot. 25 times his receivers dropped it. That is the most since the 2012 Jacksonville Jaguars. That team's in the Super Bowl because that quarterback is that damn talented. And as to your point, Matt Nagy and Andy Reid have taken a little bit of an onus to understand that, like, hey, we don't need the razzle-dazzle as much. We just need to continue to move forward. And I think perhaps the biggest change um, that is not – uh, like it's not easy to see um, their offensive line has finally clicked. Like whether Nick Bose is right. I don't know. You could call a holding penalty on every play. So in Nick Bose's case, he's kind of right, but also ain't nobody got pressure on Pat. I'm so tired of hearing the other team complain about how they would have beat Kansas City if, if the they, officials. Yeah, Bro, this happened. This this has happened for four straight postseason games. Uh-huh. It happened with Buffalo. It happened with Baltimore. It happened when not Miami did. They Miami just, were they just, just like, lost. look, we they don't have lost. anybody. It was cold. <laughs> <laughs> it was cold. We was ready to go home. It happened in the Super Bowl. It happened in the AFC yeah. Championship game last year. For as good as this team is and how everybody acknowledges how good Pat is, nobody wants to admit, hey, man, they just got us this game. <laughs> right. They, 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 they just beat us this time. Hey, you know, uh, the Chiefs sacked Jalen Hurts twice on a slippery field. The Chiefs or the Eagles couldn't do it, even though they had the most sacks all season. So, yes, kind of to your point, a lot of the stats in the regular season, they could matter, but they might not just because you're playing on that specific day. And the trend that is probably more appropriate is, yeah, what did you do late in the season and obviously in the postseason. But, I mean, I don't know how many people watch all 22, but, like, Trey Smith was excellent, even despite having two holding penalties on back-to-back plays that sort of sort of pushed him out of field goal position, but Harrison Bucker still made the kick before halftime. Uh, obviously, everybody knows how good Joe Tooney is. I mean, Creed Humphrey's been awesome outside of the occasional low snap, but because he has... Have a, have a little more than occasional. Uh, occasional, but because he has the best quarterback on earth, it don't matter. Yeah, have a lot. But, but when he pass blocks, it looks great. I mean, Donovan Smith has held up, even though he had this whole neck stinger that kept him out of the last five weeks of the regular season. Uh, Jawan Taylor, not having pre-snap penalties anymore. That's It's amazing what happens when you're not going backwards five yards at a time. Um, and even Nick Allegretti had really strong moments um, in, in, you know, relief of Joe Tooney. So their offensive line is playing really well. And then, yeah, 
Mahomes, uh, who's I don't know if he's reached the apex yet, Carrington of supreme athletic ability and like all the intelligence, the experience, the I've seen every defense mental standpoint, whether like it's matching up at the exact right time for this particular offense that is clearly flawed. Um, but because he's because he has both of those components. Hey, I'm I'm the most athletically gifted person out here who can throw a football, and I'm just mentally I just have so many postseason reps that like very little, very few things surprise me to where I kind of have an answer to whatever the defense provides. Like it's it's remarkable, um, and of course you know um, the 49ers don't really do a lot of things differently on defense. They play a lot of zone. Patrick Mahomes destroys zone. So does Travis Kelsey. So I don't know if the 49ers will change who they are. They probably should. Um, but it might not matter because, like, Patrick's, at least through these first three postseason games, has been the best he's ever been, even though uh, Travis Kelsey's 34, Tyreek Hill is no longer a part of the team, and, like, Marquez Valdez-Scantling is only needed for, like, one or two plays. Right now we're joined in studio by Nate Taylor of The Athletic. I do want to ask you one question about the AFC Championship game. You have seen so many of these at home. Mm-hmm. What was it like to go on the road for this game, knowing what's at stake for the other team? Their first AFC Championship home game since 1971, and they pulled out all the stops. They had awesome. Michael Phelps. They had Ed Reed. They yes. had Ray Lewis. They had everybody out there. What was it like to be at the game? It was it was really nice. It was fun, but you could feel the tension. Um, and so I'm gonna make a I'm gonna distinguish both cities a little bit different. In Buffalo, God bless them. Those people were liquored up. They were ready. We've been drinking since 6 a.m. We believe our team is going to end the Chiefs season. We finally got them in Buffalo. And the energy in that stadium was fantastic. And it never wavered until, unfortunately, Tyler Bass misses the potential game-tying field goal. In Baltimore, it was the sense of, like, Man, it'd be really nice if we went to the Super Bowl. <laughs> it'd be really nice. Man, it's so cool to see all the guys. It's so cool to see Ray Lewis and Ed Reed. Can they play today? It'd be really nice. Like, it was it was exciting. It was an energy. It was not as loud as it was in Buffalo to me. And also, it was a lot of like, oh, it'd be really nice if we just somehow found a way to win. And then the Chiefs went right down the field and scored a touchdown on their opening drive, and people went, oh, no. Oh, we've – oh, no. Oh, oh, oh. And there was a lot of fans who were, you know, taking a lot of their frustration out on the uh, officials, even though the officials made some appropriate calls against the Ravens. And then it was the point of, like, all right, I mean, we should get loud, right? It's third and nine. We should get loud. Hey, you know, we can get the ball back. <sighs> <laughs> All right, let's get our stuff. It would have been nice. It would have been really nice if we had gone to the Super Bowl. I don't feel like people were, like, heartbroken and, like, cataclysmic. That was in Buffalo. People were like, I can't believe we lost to them again. Where in Baltimore, it was like, man, we had a hell of a season. That It would have been really nice. So the energy was it was there, but it wasn't a confident crowd my, because of the way the game started. My frustration if I was a Ravens fan would have been this. I don't think the Ravens did any of the things that got them there. Right. 
that we had Peter King on the show, yes. and he said, hey, the thing I love most about Josh Allen is at some point, something in Josh Allen's mind turns on and says, <laughs> I, I'm just going to take over today. Right. I'm going to run. I'm going to run through you. I'm going to do either one of those things. You're not going to stop me in this game. Uh-huh. Just for the Ravens to call three design runs in the second half Oof. of the game, at times for Lamar to look very tentative and hesitant mm-hmm. in the pocket and unsure of himself, I felt like Baltimore got here by being themselves. Yes. And that, and then in the AFC Championship game, it, it seemed up. like they tried to be a completely different team, which I thought Kansas City has really leaned into what they are mm-hmm. over the last three weeks. And this yes. is what we need to do to win games at a high level. I just don't feel like Baltimore did that in the AFC Championship game. Maybe Baltimore believed, um, maybe incorrectly, but maybe Baltimore believed that they had more uh, possible avenues towards winning more possible paths. Like we can win with Lamar passing and we can win with Lamar running, or we can win with us just bludgeoning them with the running game, or we can win, you know, with our really nice defense and Kyle Hamilton, you know, smothering Travis Kelsey. The chiefs went into that game saying we got to get a lead and we got to, we got to lean on them and we got to put the pressure on them and we got to find a way to get a double digit lead and like I'm no happy turnovers. They, I'm happy no they turnovers. didn't. I'm, I'm happy they didn't give up running the ball. Because Correct. They were not overly successful running the ball. But they, but they were like, we got to squeeze the game. But we have seen too many times where in the first half the run game isn't working, and then they call five they just, runs yes, in the second half, right. and it's Pat. Just go be special. For them to run the ball 24 times, and it's not like Pacheco had 24 carries for 109 yards rushing. Right. He had a bad game by yards per carry standard. Even when but, even when Baltimore was loading the box knowing you were going to run the ball, yes. But just in terms of game flow, in terms of this team staying balanced, in terms of this team chewing up the time of possession, I thought it was critical how they handled Isaiah Pacheco yeah. in this game. Yeah, and so for Baltimore to say, okay, well, all right, we can go shot for shot with him. And for one series, they could because Lamar Jackson made one of the most spectacular plays I've seen ever, which is just Leo Chanel in a one-on-one opportunity going, no, I'm going to duck under you, then I'm going to get away from you, and then I'm going to find Zay Flowers. I'm going to throw an absolute dime into his hands. Um, And then they asked him to catch his own pass, (laughs) which he did. But, like, it's hard to go shot for shot when when you have to be Superman. And so I just thought maybe Baltimore got into a – into a thought where they just said, man, our offense, we can go shot for shot with Kansas City. We don't have to be the the bread and butter of who we are. We could do a whole bunch of things. And no, 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 Lamar's the MVP, and Lamar's shown all year that he could pass the football. But the problem is, like I told you the week before, Carrington, the Chiefs have the best secondary in the league. So you're playing right into their hands versus asking them to, to make the open field tackle over and over and over again. And I would say – that should be the clear de- delineation, the clear difference for Kyle Shanahan. Hey, Brock Purdy, you're not throwing a ball 10 yards downfield on, on Super Bowl Sunday. Hell no, unless somebody's wide open. I'm going to check it down to Christian McCaffrey. I'm going to throw a nice little swing pass to 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 uh, Debo Samuel. Hey, there's a nice little hitch route for George Kittle. We're going to ask them to tackle over and over and over again. And the Baltimore Ravens didn't do that because they just said, all right, Lamar, we're down 10. Go throw it deep. Very few teams have been able to complete deep passes against Trent McDuffie and Legereus Knee. So you're, you're just playing into their hands. And for the Chiefs to understand, all we have to do is stay up. All we have to do is just squeeze time. And the more that there's less time on the clock, the more pressure they'll feel and the less they'll feel like themselves, 
is to our benefit because we've been here before and they haven't. So I don't know what the matchup will be next year, say if these two teams match up again. Maybe Baltimore will learn from that experience. But at least for last week's game, the Chiefs said, what if we turn the tables on them? What if we got up early and forced them to play one-dimensional? And it's brilliant coaching because that fourth and two play call from Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, you know, Matt Nagy, whoever you want to give credit to, that is a clear telling to me and I think to Baltimore that like, no, we're not, we just don't, we don't want to get a three-point lead. We want to get a seven-point lead. We want you to feel us from the moment the game starts and how much they can replicate that against the 49ers, we'll see. Um, But it was really telling that the first time the game didn't go a particular way from Baltimore, they, they, they faltered and they tried to do more things instead of doing less of what they know is successful for them. Nate Taylor, this is actually going to be the last time that we do this. We Uh-oh. have, we have we to have play to. Nate Taylor prices right here for our last pizza of the week. We have to play. We need four callers, 913-586-7610. It is time for our final Nate Taylor prices right Super Bowl edition. That's coming up. Keep it right here. It's the drive. The Drive with Carrington Harrison, brought to you by Deep Esquale Moore. Car wreck? Get the money you deserve. Mike's got this on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. All right, this is our final Nate Taylor Price is Right of the season. I just went on StubHub. And I randomly clicked on a section. I'm going to give you the exact location of the tickets. And I need you to tell me how much you think these tickets cost on StubHub for Super Bowl 58 next Sunday between the Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. The area of the tickets is section 104, row 26, seats 13 and 14. You got some good lower levels here. 104, row 26, seats 13 and 14. Row 26, okay. How much do you think the pair of tickets cost to go watch the Chiefs and the Niners? Marshall, you were first up here playing Nate Taylor Price is Right. How much do you think these tickets cost? $24,000. All right, let me put you on hold here. All right, Jeff, how much do you think these tickets cost? Um... $54,000. All right, put you on hold here. All right, Jack, these are section 104, row 29, seats 13 and 14. How much do you think a pair of these tickets cost? $33,000. All right, put you on hold here. J-Rock, you were last up here. How much do you think these tickets cost? I'm gonna say they cost about ten a piece, so I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with twenty two one. All right, twenty two hmm. one. All right, this is the first time that we have to do this. Everybody is over on the tickets. Everybody oh. is over, so we have to start over now. We have to go back down the line. That's too much. All right, Marshall. Let's go 15. 15. 15. Okay. All right. 15. All right. Everybody was over. All right. I'm going to still give you a chance. That doesn't surprise me. Some guy had 54. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for that, you, you, you could be in a suite for 50,000. All right, Jeff. 
How much do you think these tickets cost? Fifteen seven. Fifteen seven. All right. Fifteen seven. All right. Jack. All right. How much do you think these tickets cost? Is this for both seats? Yes, yes, the pair. The pair. All right, I'm going to go 16-4. 16-4. Okay. All right, put you on hold here. All right, J-Rock, how much do you think these tickets cost? Bro, I know Fesco said the other day that row 324 was like eight racks. So you saying one section 101, it got to be like a couple thousand more, I would think. So I, I'm going to say... Yeah, I don't know. I'm going 14. 14? Okay. 14 what? 14,000. 14,000. Well, 14 even. Okay. All right. 14,000. All right. Rob Brenton, how much do you think these tickets cost? I'm on StubHub right now. Section 104, row 26, seats 13 and 14. How much do you think they cost? 14,5. 14, Everybody's in 14s. Okay. I, mean, I, mean, I think like Taylor? six, seven in each one. <sighs> How much you pay for the press box, Nate? That's the. <laughs> <laughs> it's called a college. College. Uh, so over college 14. Uh, yeah. I would say uh, I would, I'll would. i do 13, five. 13, five. Just, just to be the low man. All right. Well, one of these tickets costs $7,142. If you add that up, $14,284 is the price of the pair. That means J-Rock is the winner of our final edition of Mm. Nate Taylor Price is Right. How much would it cost you to go to Super Bowl 58? What's the most you ever spent on a ticket? On a single ticket? Just uh, just, uh, a single ticket for an event. (sighs) Ooh, um... Hollywood know this more than I would um because we went to see Hamilton back in the day and that was not cheap kids um I would say like maybe somewhere in the threes would be my guess uh so like a pair would be like around 650 700 something like that um concerts are not usually that high like a Broadway show um but yeah I would say it's got to be less than like 750 for two for two tickets what's it like to go to the Super Bowl like you've seen, yeah, you've seen various degrees. You were you're uh-huh. at the one in Miami. You were yep. at the COVID one. That is a very unique experience. <laughs> Just you're at the Super Bowl, but it doesn't have any of the pageantry, right. none of the energy of the Super Bowl. At all. Right. And you also were at the Super Bowl last year in mm-hmm. Phoenix. That is really an all time great game. Thirty eight, yes. thirty five, great comeback, controversial ending with the James. <laughs> Bay. Like that is a great Super Bowl. Yeah. What's it like to go to the Super Bowl? Um. So bear with me. It like. I think I'll always remember the one in Miami because that was my first and the weather couldn't have been more gorgeous. It's like everything you dream and anticipate when you go to the Super Bowl. Uh, Miami Stadium is smaller. So it was like a very cool, intimate setting um, where obviously both teams, you know, have I, I think the fans were pretty close to being split. So it was a really nice environment. The weather was great. Um, uniform matchup similar to what we're going to see next Sunday. Excellent. Um, and of course, one of the cool things that day was it was the 100th NFL season. So for me, I got to see almost every legend I had ever grew up looking at. I mean, Dan Marino's right over there and almost all of a sudden there's Joe Montana and, you know, uh, like Tony Gonzalez is like the umpteenth person to be here. Uh, getting in is a little bit more difficult than the normal game because of the security 
requirements. They double check everything about you. Um, but it's a fun atmosphere. And when you get in there, it's, it's, um, I would encourage people if they have the financial means to do it, to do it. I've interviewed people who have, you know, taken basically a $10,000 loan or use multiple credit cards to get there. And I mean, hopefully your team wins, but it's, um, it's a great experience. And of course I've been on the field after the game, talking to guys, seeing the, the celebration, um, it's a it's a wonderful experience every year, or at least the last two times that they've won the Super Bowl. And I've been there, I've obviously collected a lot of confetti and donated it to to fans. Um, much of those proceeds go to Ronald McDonald House here in Kansas City. Um, so that's that's been a fun part of it too. But man, when it's when it's kickoff, last year they did the whole <laughs> Mama Donna Kelsey you know, coin toss and the whole thing and, like, just the energy and the anticipation of after two weeks of talking the talk, you f- we finally get to watch the highest level of football. Um, those kickoffs are pretty memorable, even within how the games, you know, sort of develop and how they end. But it's um, it's a dream to go. It's a, I mean, I never, you know, when I took on this job six years ago, I wasn't sure how any of this was going to go. Um, so obviously I've been blessed to, to, to cover quite a bit of history. And at the same time, um, the Super Bowl is, is probably an event that you want to go to, um, because every year it gets bigger and bigger and you could argue to some ways it gets better. Like I watched, I I've, I've tried to remind myself, yes, it is work. And yes, there's a lot to do, but I basically got a pretty close viewing of JLo and Shakira. I got to see the weekend perform, even though it was a bit odd. Um, a bit, I, a you, bit. You didn't put enough seasoning on a bit there. Uh, it was very it, odd. It was really odd. The <laughs> audio, the, the audio was like all over the place. It was strange. Um, Rihanna last year, you know, pregnant Rihanna. I mean, it's 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 amazing. Like I, you know, I think Demi Lovato did the first national anthem in Miami, and I was just like, "That's Demi Lovato." Like, and then she comes off the field, and you're like, "That's Demi Lovato." So like. You know, you get to see all the stars. It's it's a great um, it's a great environment for people watching too. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just you know now we're gonna get Usher. I mean, this is gonna be great. So um, to see those people perform, and then them to see to see them break down the stage on the field, how quickly they do it, and then all of a sudden, everybody in the building knows there's only 30 minutes left in the NFL season. So every play truly does feel like massive. And there's very few sporting events where it kind of feels like that, where you know maybe it's a Game 7 in baseball, you know, maybe it's an Olympic event if you can go to a, to an Olympic race, like, you know, the 100-meter dash or something. But, like, those last 30 minutes in the Chiefs of most of these games have all been close. You just understand that, like, man, the like this play, this very next play could be the game. This next play could be somebody's legacy. This next play could be somebody's career, like, in a nutshell. So when you see the buzz and them going back and forth, and, I mean – I still think the, the the two most special plays that come to mind is I'm sorry, he did what? His body was parallel to the to the turf and he still threw an accurate ball and he dropped it? It went right off his face mask? And then last year, and I've told you this before, we had the in the press box, we had the perfect view of the Kadarius Tony punt return. And to this day, I thought he got tackled twice. And then he just he just kinda comes out of this big pile of people and you're like, Oh, oh, and in my mind, I was like, they're winning. Like, that that punt return 
flipped everything in their advantage. Of course, they obviously converted on it with the touchdown. Uh, but yeah, those are those are things I'll never forget in my life. Was just how in the world did he get yards? Like there was like, and you, I paused it. There's like four eagles surrounding Kadarius Tony. None of them tackle him, and you're just like, how did that happen? So um, yes, I'm encouraging people to go. And if you do go, you, you're usually going to get something that you'll remember for the rest of your life. Right now, we're joined in studio by Nate Taylor of The Athletic. Coming up on the other side, I've asked people these two questions this week. When did you know with Patrick Mahomes? Like, mm. When did you have a feeling that he is really special? And I've also been asking people to give us their top five foods in a bowl. I'm going to ask you the same thing <laughs> coming up on the other side. Keep it right here. It's The Drive. The Drive with Carrington Harrison. Brought to you by Deep Esquale Moore. Car, truck, or motorcycle wreck? Remember, Mike's got this on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Kansas City, it's George Carlotis, and you're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. We got a lot of time to really dive into this game. You're going to join me live for Radio Row next week, and we'll really talk very specific game points heading into this matchup. I have... Three questions to ask you before we get you out of here. Number one, you follow this team as closely as anybody. Mm-hmm. Every media availability. You were there every single day. When did you know with Patrick Mahomes? Like, When was the moment where you realized that the Chiefs just didn't have a, a good quarterback? That they potentially had something really, really special at quarterback. When was that moment for you? Uh, it's week two, 2018. Because uh, I kind of knew by training camp, oh, they're smoking the, the, the Los Angeles Chargers. They're, they're smoking them. The real test, I thought, was, okay, that's his first game truly on film. Mike Tomlin's a great coach. they got to go up to Pittsburgh. It's week two. Uh, the Chiefs got out to a 21 nothing lead. Pittsburgh comes all the way back, scores 21 points in the second quarter, I believe. It's halftime. And I go, okay. Like, eh, well, this, this is fun. And then the Chiefs did something that, to this day, I will never forget. They said, okay, spread them out. They went in shotgun, five wide, four four wide, and just let this man throw over and over again. And you know what, Carrington? He had more touchdowns than incompletions. I had never seen that in a box score <laughs> before. I was like, it's only his second game, and he threw six touchdown passes and only had five incompletions? Yeah, that was the moment to, for me that I was like, oh, this is this is something. Uh, and then, of course, the next week he has the scramble drill touchdown to to Chris Connolly. And then two weeks later, or, or maybe three weeks later, they go and they play the, the Patriots for the first time. And I will never forget Tom Brady after the game, even though the Patriots won, sprinting to Patrick Mahomes to shake his hand and be like, you, you, <laughs> you the next one. Um, so week two against Pittsburgh, I mean, that's that was a remarkable performance because it was on the road and yeah, six touchdowns, five interceptions. I just said, Oh, okay, he's 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 really good. Like all that. Remember we talked in training camp in twenty eighteen? We we're like, he's throwing a lot of interceptions in practice. I remember. <laughs> he threw six touchdowns in week two. I remember saying <laughs> I remember saying when that was happening, I thought yes. he was gonna be a better version of Matthew Stafford. Oh, <laughs> Which like is actually a really good quarterback. Yes, <laughs> right. I mean, really that's still like a Pro Bowl quarterback. Uh, but and like, I, and I was getting killed for that. Like, Wait, hold on, Mike. <laughs> yeah, like, I think that's actually really good. Uh, all right, really quick. My second question uh, now is: 
Yesterday, Rob and I went through and said what our favorite Super Bowl is. Mine is the first Patriots Super Bowl, the Patriots-Rams one. Uh-huh. The Rams came in overwhelming favorite. Patriots yes. not supposed to be here. Uh, Remember, the Patriots came out locked arms yep, like right after 9-11. Yep. That, I think that was like toward the end of John Madden. Madden is telling oh, the Patriots yeah. to go to overtime. Yes. That, hey, what are you doing? Oh. Brady takes them down the field. They kick the field goal. I mean, we didn't know what we were in about to embark on for the next 20 years, but that was just a really cool. I can't believe the Patriots won this game. What's your favorite Super Bowl? As a kid, it's probably. Yeah, that's a great question. It's probably the one that jumps out to me is usually the 99 Super Bowl um, where the tackle at the one yard line. Like I just the emotions of that game where it's like, okay. Kurt Warner's this like, all right, this guy, but he's got Marshall Falk and Torrey Holt. And oh my goodness, like they're going all over the field. And it was kind of a slog fest of a game, but the ending is incredible. The fourth quarter is just awesome. And then Steve McNair kind of, I didn't know this at the time either, but Steve McNair kind of showed you what quarterbacking was going to be. Moving in the pocket, getting a few yards here, checking it down there, making making a nice throw here. And he gets them all the way down inside the red zone. And I think, because I, I I could check this, but I but I think if Tennessee scores that touchdown, they go to overtime. Is that right? And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, we're going to get the first overtime game in Super Bowl history. And, of course, it was Brady. <laughs> well, yeah, that was, that, was, that was something. But, yeah, the tackle at the one-yard line, the stretching of the ball out, you couldn't be closer to victory or at least closer to, I guess, extending the game. To have a chance to win, who knows? Maybe I guess maybe Tennessee could have gone for two, um, but that was that was an amazing game because it was just like, wait, what? He he threw the ball before it was in the end zone, and the guy's open, and it's a it's it's Dyson, and Dyson gets tackled by a linebacker, even though he's a fast receiver. It's just yeah, it was just you you almost didn't realize what was happening. And of course, my second favorite Super Bowl as a as a as a fan was being over at my buddy. Uh, Ryan Clark's house. He's a reporter for ESPN. Uh, this is back when we were living in in Florida. Uh, it's the it's the they, they're definitely giving the ball to 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 Marshawn Lynch, right? Wait, what? What? <laughs> like who? And I just want to remind people that is the closest a team has gotten to being back to back champs since the Patriots is the Seahawks were literally on the one yard line and didn't give it to Marshawn Lynch. So if the Chiefs are in a similar situation, I would advise them to give the ball to Isaiah Pacheco. All right, now I'm at the third thing. We have asked people yeah. this over the course of the week. We need your Here we celebration go. of the Chiefs being in the Super Bowl. Yep. We need Nate Taylor's five favorite foods that come in a bowl. Rob, hit the music. Obviously, number five has to be cereal. The original as a kid. Love cereal, a little bit of milk, some Captain Crunch. Oh, my goodness. So, Does he eat regular Captain Crunch? You're not, you're oh, not getting um, the Crunch Berries? Yeah, crunch Berries? Okay, yeah, yeah, it doesn't I'm matter. Just, I'm I mean, Reese's, Reese's Puffs? I mean, goodness. Uh, cinnamon, I mean, we could go down the list. Uh, but yeah, cereal. Number four. Now, I wonder if people have said this. Has anybody said applesauce? No one has said applesauce yet. Here's the thing. I have a son. He's eight. Uh, when he was younger, he ate applesauce like crazy. So did I. Uh, having a child brings you back to some foods that you have put away 
Applesauce is incredible. Applesauce, number four on the list. No, no one has said applesauce hey, yet. You are alone. There we go. We did get a corn pudding yesterday. Oh, from, God, no. What? <laughs> that's what we got corn from a pudding? That's what we, this? barbershop. That's what he said. I'm Man, just telling is, you what that he is, said. I don't want to be ageism, but that is definitely generational. That's a generational divide between me he and him. He had it number three on his list. Whoa. Uh, number three is chili uh, because obviously it's it's incredible. Uh, more crackers, more cheese, please. More onions, more cilantro. Uh, chili's amazing. Now, I wonder if anybody said this. This is also maybe culturally a little bit different. Has anybody said Rotel? No, no one has said I that yet. love Rotel. The fact I wrote it down, I now want it for dinner. Um, when we have had Super Bowl parties in the past, I have requested Holly make, um, you know, spicy buffalo chicken dip and Rotel. Rotel is incredible. Get some Tostitos in that thing, maybe with some of the, the hint of lime. Oh, incredible. Thank you to our Hispanic brothers and sisters. Rotel dip is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> do you put meat in your Rotel dip? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah, the only way to do it. Yeah, I don't, yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm just I mean, honest. you could do you could do ground beef, of course, if you want to do turkey, get a little leaner in you, that's fine. Um, ground turkey. And of course, uh chorizo. Chorizo's incredible. I'm very curious what number one's gonna be. Oh, it's the treat that everyone loves from the moment you're alive to the moment you die. Ice cream, kids. It's got to be ice cream. What a list from Nate Taylor. His five favorite foods that come in a bowl. Number five, cereal. Number four, applesauce. Mm. Number three, chili. Two, Rotel. And number one, ice cream. I love ice cream. I can eat ice cream every single day. What's your favorite ice cream? It depends, man. I love Uh, cookies and cream. Oh, I love that, too. I love, oh, man, I love, you know, um, pecans. Like, I love butter pecan. Um, Andy's got me, man. Andy's got this uh, cookie uh, crumble crunch cookie thing. I don't know. It's it's an amazing concrete. Uh, I love chocolate ice cream vanilla cake. Perfect. Incredible. Uh, but yeah, you give me, you give me like some people like pistachios. I'm okay. Holly and Hayden love mint chip. It's fine. I'll eat it. Uh, but yeah, butter pecans right up there. Cookies and cream. What's one more I could give you? Black walnut. Yeah, that, that's those. Those are those are the ones for me. That is Nate Taylor of the Athletic answering our Chiefs questions and also giving us his five favorite foods that come in a bowl. <laughs> Coming up on the other side, we got Jay Binkley in studio. He is the perfect person to end this week with. Keep it right here. It's the drive. He is the master of the mock and football expert. I looked at last year's top 20 sackers in the NFL, and there's 28 of them because eight of them, you know, it tied. And 18 of them were first-round picks. And 12 of them were picks 1 through 15. So history would say, if you're already trade up, and I'm seeing you know, the trade-ups for Chris Olave and Jamison Williams, but history would dictate if you're going to trade up, you trade up to get Ed Drescher. He's a man who enjoys an ice-cold beer. Give me one of those famous giant beers I heard so much about. And a travel aficionado. There are things to do right here. You don't need to go to the Caribbean. Or you don't need to go to Europe. You don't need to do things. You just go to Wabi go. Jay Binkley of Bink at Night joins the drive. Welcome back into The Drive. Congratulations on getting through your 9 to 5. Thank you so much for making us a part of your preparation for Super Bowl 58. So next week, 
We are going to go very hard breaking down the game. We got five days to talk about one football game. I think we can cover the game from all angles. I will be in Las Vegas next Friday. So you know what we decided? We were going to cap off this week before we make our full transition on Monday by having a Beers with Bink Super Bowl edition. So I told Bink, I said, hey, I want you to get a six-pack of beers that you would take over to somebody's house for Mm -hmm. a Super Bowl watch party. You're going over Rob's house. You're thankful that he's inviting you over there. I want you to build a six-pack that you would take in that scenario. So we have six wonderful beers here. I can tell that there is a lot of dark porters. Just There's some this, lagers, there's some IPAs, a this, little bit of everything. You know what? It's not called Cocktails with Carrington. This is called Beers yeah, with Bank. That's a good name so for you, one. So you get to pick. All right. Rob, ask us six questions, and then we try out these beers. Rob, take it away. You're stuck in traffic on your drive home? The Drive gets you caught up on the biggest sports stories in Kansas City and around the country. It's the hits only on The Drive, number one. Well, as Carrington said, we still have more than seven days until we are faced with Super Bowl 58. So my first question to you boys is a trip down memory lane is exactly four years ago today. This moment happened. Third and 15 for the Chiefs from their own 35. And San Francisco leading by 10. 7-13 to go in the game. Seven guys drop back into his deep zone here for the 49ers. Four-man rush, but those four are enough. Here they come. Mahomes stepping up. He's throwing long downfield for Tyreek Hill. Got it at the 20-yard line. And then spun down there. The first giant chunk of the game on third down and 15. And Mahomes guns it for 44 yards down to the San Francisco 21-yard line. Bink, my first question to you is simple. When you look back at four years ago before Jet Chip Wasp, what do you notice different about the city then to now as people seem, I don't want to say ho-hum about yet another Super Bowl in Kansas City, but there's definitely a different energy in this one than that one. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's because of uh, the long waiting period, like forever. Because people remember that drought of 22 years and not going to the playoffs, and it was exciting. Well, this is what happens when teams continue to win all the time. You get expectations. Your expectation is not just to go to the Super Bowl. Your expectation now is to win the Super Bowl. Chiefs just climbed into a different uh, category, Dot. And I've compared it to, and I'm not a Kansas fan whatsoever. You know that. Uh, Rob is. I am not. But kind of like Kansas. If they don't go to the Final Four, does it even matter? Does it even matter bringing those Tiffany trophies out for one of the Big 12 tournament? No, it doesn't matter. They bring them all out. But, no, it matters with Final Four banners. That's what matters. And for the Chiefs, it's about going to the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl at this point. I think the people in this town will start amping things up next week. I think that Super Bowl really gave us sort of a look into what Patrick Mahomes' career was going to be because they had had comebacks up to that point. You know, they came back to 24-0 against Houston, but that's one thing to do it against the Houston Texans. Or they got down early in the game against Tennessee, but I think there's a difference between like a playoff contending team and a Super Bowl contending team. I didn't think Houston could win the Super Bowl. I didn't think the Tennessee could. But when you get – you're down 20-10 to 10 with – eight minutes left in the Super Bowl and your offense has played really poorly for the most part. And 
now that we've seen the video, the confidence and sort of collectiveness that Mahomes has in that scenario to know exactly what play, to not get rattled, to wait in there the last second, make the throw downfield. And it was almost like the Chiefs just sort of exhaled as they had their first big offensive play and probably 30 minutes of real time and how that momentum, like you don't go from being down 10 to winning by double digits in the final quarter of Damian the NFL Williams game. is holding the ball out there, putting it up 31. It, it, it was, it is such an example of what the Chiefs are. Kind of like Brady in his first Super Bowl, that Brady is the most dangerous quarterback that we have ever seen. Hey, you got to put one drive together to give your team a chance to win. And Brady did that in his first Super Bowl. I feel like Mahomes' career is very, very similar, that he has just shown time doesn't matter, score doesn't matter. My team is always in the game, and he did that in his first Super Bowl. I think that's Mahomes' biggest game ever, to be honest with you, because that set the bar. You win that first one, you get out of the way, first one you've ever been to, and you win it, and you kind of cap off what he is, what he means to the National Football League. So, yeah, he's had some huge games, but I don't think any game that he's had personally has been bigger than winning the first Super Bowl to kind of set the bar for himself. All right, so the first drink that we are going to have, this is the Founders Porter. Mm. It says roasted coffee notes and graham cracker sweetness. This is from Founders. Uh, Founders is in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I can already tell two-thirds of us are going to like this one. Well, but it's got the graham cracker sweetness. What does Dot like? He likes a little sweetness with it, but this one... Is a fantastic beer. And I'm not a coffee guy either, but coffee and beer is fantastic. All right, let's give it a try. Give it a nice smell. You can smell that alcohol in it. This is the big game edition of Beers with Bank. Mm. That is a delicious beer. It's too bad it's 70 degrees out because this reeks of January. That's a good beer. Founders makes great beer, man. Mm-hmm. There's no question about it. Founders is one of the best brew makers in the, in the country. Right, Dot? You like it? You want that one? Go ahead, Bank. I'm going to go ahead and let you give your score prediction. 8.7. Mm. I rarely do that, but this one deserves it. You think it's the Travis Kelsey beer? It is. It's, it's on the uh, the GOAT list. It's, you got an outstanding review on Beer Advocate. Would you got to be a damn good beer to get that. That's one of the best porters I've had. Thank you. I'm going to have it at a nice 8.1. Kevin nice. Lockett. Little Kevin Lockett number for those keeping track at mm. home. Get that aftertaste. It's chocolatey. This is dessert beer, man. Mm-hmm. It's a dessert beer that you can have many. Not just one. That's 5.4. Oh. oh. Graham cracker sweetness. No, it was it was not bad. It also was not good. Oh, stop. This is not a beer that I I will never have another one of these. This is the Founders Porter Roasted Coffee Notes Graham Cracker Sweetness. Founders Brewery is in Graham Rapids. Michigan, 6.5 alcohol by volume. All right, Bink. Let's Every go. Chocolatey beer. To beer number two. Beer number two. 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 Well, despite the Super Bowl being a week plus away, that hasn't stopped Jed York, the CEO of the Niners, from whining like it already happened. Listen to this nonsense. I mean, I remember Nick Bosa getting held on the third long <laughs> and that not getting called. Um like it, it's football, right? Like, I, I, I mean, I should say this. I, I haven't talked to anybody with Detroit. Like, I, I feel for them when you're in a situation where you're up and you think you can win a game and, and make it memorable and, and things go the wrong way. And I've, I've been on 
good sides of that and I've been on bad sides of that, right? When, when you're up by 10 points against a team in a Super Bowl, you know, thoughts are going through your head like, wow, like we're, we're going to have a parade. Like, you know, somebody's going to Disneyland, like this is going to be awesome. And then you don't. And, and that's, that's part of playing in the NFL, right? Like I, I get pretty tense during games. It's because you, you care so much about what happens. But I personally have next to little, if not zero effect on what happens in the moment of a game. And that, that's why, like, Lynch and I laugh about it all the time. It's like, I would much rather play than watch these games up in the suite. Because, like, when you're out there, you can, you can make a play or not make a play, but you know you did it. But what it means that much to you and you can't affect anything, it, it's a very, very helpless feeling when you're in a, a suite or you're in the stands and you're watching the game. And that's, that's kind of how it is with, with that Super Bowl in Miami. I just thought we had it and then we didn't. Bink, simple question. Is that loser talk from the CEO of the 49ers? <laughs> it's complete loser talk for it. But hold loser that, talk! But hold that energy. Hold that energy if you get a call going your way, Jed. Make sure you mention it after the game that you got lucky on a call. Because you got to hold that same energy. Because you're crying a lot. You're crying a lot for the Chiefs beating you. And I'm, I'm getting tired of this. Nick Wright had one of the best breakdowns on Twitter today. The Chiefs are actually, the opponents they played this year, the second fewest penalized teams in the National Football League. Third fewest penalty yards uh, against the opponents the Chiefs have played. People haven't, didn't watch the games. They didn't watch the Super Bowl last year when the Eagles got away with a lot of stuff. They didn't watch the Green Bay game when they absolutely were all over MVS and taking a nice little ride uh, down the field on his back. So, didn't watch it, but yes, that's loser talk. Uh, it's not like the 49ers haven't been the benefactors of several calls. Or luck, like the Detroit game. They lucked into that one. Missed holding calls are the free space of loser bingo. Chiefs get called for that a ton. It's the free space on loser bingo. Yeah, That's touchdown pulled away from holds. You lost. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why, even though your quarterback took you to the Super Bowl, you spent a top five pick on another one. Hold your, the L, man. Your quarterback couldn't make a big play in a big moment. Hold Let's the L. not blame the officials. Hold you the weren't L. good enough. You lost. Beer number two. Beer number two. This is the traditional red Irish ale. This is from Boulevard. Local beer. 5.8 alcohol by volume. Jay Binkley, what made you pick the traditional red Irish ale? I like the red Irish ales. Um, is this new? I don't think we ever had I'd this before. I put Boulevard up there at number one on this. I've had it before because it's a seasonal, but it's great. It's already out there. It's already at the store. So I already got St. Patrick's beer. And they uh, call sign. Makes another good one as well. They're Irish red. Uh, I simply like. I wasn't able to find uh, th- that one, but uh, absolutely love it. Five point eight percent. A nice, good rating on Beer Advocate. But this is a smooth, smooth beer. That's not quite as dark as that porter. All right. Big game beers with Bank. The traditional red Irish ale, and it is fantastic. This is a mass consumption too. This is not just for one. This is two, three, four. Hey, grab me another one. You know what? I kind of judged this. This is better than I anticipated it. Very light flavor. Really? Like not like light. Like it's fa- lacking in flavor. But there's a light beer element to this. Eh? Okay. Pretty All right. Good Jay- alcohol. Five eight. Jay Binkley, you are up first. Mm. It's over an eight as well. It's eight point one. He's higher on it than me. Six point eight. 
I'm going to go 7.1. Nice, oh, nice. I actually really enjoyed that traditional red Irish ale. I went into it. I was judging it based off the red Irish ale, the, the packaging. I didn't think I was going to like it. This, you know what? I judged the book by its cover. It's this a step was, up for this, you. This was a good book. I, uh, I'm i going to give the traditional Irish red ale. I'm going to give it a thumb up. Nice. I, I liked it. I thought it was good. Can't go wrong, Bulldog. Boulevard just makes like six beers. It's really, really well. Mm-hmm. Speaking of crying and whining, former tough guy and pill slinger Bill Romanowski was on wow. 95.7 The Game in San Francisco, and he said Mahomes is a big old crybaby. I believe Mahomes is a crybaby. And yes, he's yes he's talented, but he is a big-ass crybaby. And he drives me crazy. And I think we're going to out-hit him. I think we're going to be more physical than them. And that's going to be the difference in this football game. Why do you say he's a crime? I'm just curious. Is is because the complaint to the officials? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it drives me crazy. You know, play the game. Okay, stop whining to the officials. That stuff drives me crazy. Bink, do you think the man that was indicted on a federal prescription drug case has a good point and that Mahomes is a crybaby? No, he also used to send his poop off to labs. You know that? So they could judge what he's eating by his feces. That's what the Romanowski did. The Romanowski's a loser I, I, as well. I don't know if we needed that tidbit. Man. Well, you did. Okay, I just it's, Bill, it's part of the story. My bad. It's part of Bill Romanowski. No, I don't care what Bill Romanowski says. You know, the officiating sucks in the NFL, and we all realize it. Everybody complains about the officiating. It's not just the Chiefs. Other teams do it as well. And not only that, everybody's been crying thinking the Chiefs are getting all the calls. Where's all the, where's all, where's all the crying about what the Chiefs are doing? Because that's uh, prevalent in this country. Everybody crying about the Chiefs, thinking they've got the officials on their side. Romanowski, come on, man. I mean... Calling another grown man a crybaby is wild behavior to me. Just wild. I mean, I think Mahomes is a little bit of a crybaby. I would just say that all the greats have a little bit of a crybaby attitude towards them. We celebrate Tom Brady. We haven't seen Tom Brady have his moments on the sideline. We haven't seen Tom Brady go to the officials, cry to the officials. LeBron James might be the greatest basketball player of all time. Tremendous crybaby. Elite. He might actually be better at that than he is at playing basketball. All the greats are crybabies. Phillip Rivers is a crybaby. Derek Carr is a crybaby. Cam Newton. We didn't see Cam Newton the year they won the Super they went to the Super Bowl. He was a crybaby. Most people are crybabies. It's okay. It's alright. Beer uh, number three. He's a spitter as well. Yeah. Why do you know so much about Bill Romanowski? Well, we, we, we saw him spit in that guy's face. J.J. Stokes. We saw that. Uh, this is Yingling. This is the Hershey's Chocolate Porter. I'm actually excited to try this. I like Yingling. Yeah, Yingling. I, I mean, I've only had one Yingling beer, but I did like it. It's the oldest brew in America, just a straight Yingling, which I really like, too. But this is uh, more of that winter blend that you'd have with the Hershey's in it. Okay, the, let's the, get, the, uh, combined with Hershey's are both Pennsylvania companies. Let's give it a try. And since we're not playing the Eagles, uh, have some uh, Pennsylvania beer. Although they make it in Florida, too. Oh, man. This is uh, kind of good. It's a porter, so it's a dark beer, but it's got that collaboration with Hershey's in it. I figured you'd like that. No, that I'll get ahead of this one. No. 
way too sweet for me. Way. It tastes like melted chocolate. I don't want that in my beer. It's a good dessert beer, man. 4.2. 4.2. I'm going 7.5 on this one. I was a fan. Were you? Now, this, like is where, this is where I'd be a little different. I think if you, like, mix this with something, like you mixed it with a little Bailey's, you kind of made more of a cocktail out of this. Like, I don't know if this is a beer that I would drink out of the bottle, but if you use this and you put some other stuff with it for a nice winter drink, you know how you can make, like, a spiked eggnog or a spiked hot chocolate? I think it would be really good. I'm going to give this a 6.5. I nice. enjoyed it. I enjoyed the uh, Yingling Hershey's uh, chocolate porter. Yeah, two thumbs up for me. I liked it. And a little darker, uh, little darker beer for you. And you like it. A little bit before. Took a leap here. Took a leap. Well, as we approach Super Bowl 58, one storyline that could come out of Super Bowl 58 is the fact that Patrick Mahomes could win another Super Bowl, which will mean it's time to embrace debate. Is he or Tom Brady the GOAT? On Pat McAfee's show, they straight up asked Tom Brady, hey, what do you think about a potential impending GOAT debate? There's nothing that Patrick can do, in my opinion, that takes away from what I tried to accomplish in my career. And there's nothing that I did can take away from what he's trying to accomplish. I, I feel like I, all I tried to be was the best I could be. And I didn't, even though I had sporting idols, like I said, I could never be Steve Young. I could never be Joe Montana. Those are the guys I, I could never be Dan Marino or John Elway. These were my childhood idols. And they had incredible careers, and and they put as much as they could into their career, and I really respect them for that. And and I just tried to do the same thing. And believe me, if anybody can go out there and win seven Super Bowls, I have so much respect for them. I understand how difficult it is. I will congratulate them, and I'm gonna you know give whatever it is a big hug. I texted my friend um, who who plays with Pat um, after the game, and I just said, tell him congrats. I mean, just awesome to watch him play. And I love watching him lead his team. And of all the things I love, I love leadership and I love people that are selfless. I hate selfish teammates. I help. I, I don't like being around people that are self-serving and always trying to create their own self-serving narrative about who they are. Bink, have Chiefs fans accepted the fact that there is no longer a contemporary Patrick Mahomes he'll be compared to, but it's now just chasing the goat in Tom Brady. Yeah, probably so. They're starting to get it, and why not? When you look at what they've accomplished before 30 years old, you chase Tom Brady. You know, Tom's talking about all these other quarterbacks that he looked up to and respected, but he's better than they are. And right now, Mahomes is the only one with a real chance to go after Tom Brady, even though that's uh, a long way off to get to the uh, part that uh, Tom Brady did in the National Football League. But I love what he said about being selfless, being a good teammate, uh, being those kind of things. He knows what he is. He knows he's a leader. And it was great to hear that from uh, Tom Brady describing Mahomes and kind of what he means to the game of football and what he means to the Chiefs. So it's the ultimate compliment. Who cares what Bill Romanowski says? I will listen to Tom Brady. That dude, Z.F. Hutton. I think this is going to be an argument that's very similar to LeBron and Jordan that I think in that conversation, it is really an argument how one of them makes you feel and not really a resume argument. I love LeBron James. He is my favorite athlete. You cannot make a resume argument to me for LeBron over Michael Jordan. I think he has too many holes in his resume. But at least based on what I've seen, I understand how people make that argument with LeBron. I think it's going to be very, very similar. Like, I I find it hard to believe that Pat is going to have a better resume than Brady at the end. 
especially because in a tiebreaker scenario, they have gone against each other two times in the postseason, and Brady's team has won both of those, including Brady winning his Super Bowl in Tampa Bay. So I think it's going to be really hard for him to have a better resume. But if you were just arguing what you've seen, how you feel, the eye test, I think Patrick Mahomes absolutely has an argument of being the greatest quarterback that you've ever seen. And I think it's great the Chiefs didn't really complain. They lost with the old rules that the Buffalo Bills got changed because they didn't like the Chiefs taking the ball and winning a game. That happened with Tom Brady and the New England Patriots to the same thing with the Chiefs, but nobody cares. Nobody brings that up. They don't bring the Chiefs lost in that in that fashion. They never will. Who do you think his friend on the Chiefs is? Tooney. Joe Tooney. I think it's Tooney because yeah, he played Joe with Tooney, Tooney in the Some Super Bowl. Some people are saying Mike Edwards, who was with him in Tampa Bay. Well, it could be, but Joe Tooney played his first three years in the NFL, the only guy ever to play in the Super Bowl his first three years in the NFL, but I think it's Tooney. Yeah, I just Brady wasn't really there that long in Tampa, and one of those years was a COVID season. I mean, maybe it's Donovan Smith. I just It could be, yeah. It just seems far more likely that it's a player on offense than it is a defensive player like Mike Edwards. Uh, all right, this is the Stockyards Brewing, the Cerveza Royale. I believe we've had this one before. I've seen this before. I just I've I've seen this. Uh, we have, well, this is something I drink. Is, is for this their Mexican football. beer? Because this yes. is we've had this before. Because it's fantastic. But this is what I would drink for. Someone football. on the sex line said it could be Blaine Gabbert. Blaine ah, Gabbert. that's true. There's a too. lot more crossover than I thought with the Chiefs and Tom right. Brady. Yeah, there's a lot of Tom. Could be Andy Reid. Just kidding. They're friends. That's a good beer, man. That's a, what, what's the term? Highly crushable? Highly crushable. So you drink this maybe instead of some Corona, whatever. But this is extremely light. We went, we went heavy on darks. We went uh, a little lighter. Yeah, I uh, I was maybe expecting a little bit more oomph at the end. Like It didn't really grab me. The maybe flavor didn't some grab me the way that I thought it would. Like when you drink a Boulevard Wheat, there's something like that flavor. It just it grabs you in a way. A blue moon. It, I, I, didn't, I didn't get that from I this. I think a lime would help you out on this. Yeah, I, I'm actually a, a, a little bit disappointed okay. by my memory and, uh, and recollection. It's very highly one. crushable. What's your ranking? I'll let you go first. I'm going to go uh, 7.1 on it. I think it's highly crushable beer. Stockyards is a great 7. job 7.1. It. I think 7.1 is high. It's good beer. There's highly crushability, but 7.1 is a little north what I'm doing. I'm going to go a nice 6.4. You and I are around the same. I'm going to go 6.2. I, I thought it was fine. I mean, I, I I would definitely drink it. I just, I expected a little bit more flavor in the beer than what I got. I didn't oh, by know. the way, the text line reminding is Justin Watson. It yeah, no, the text line has suggested 17 people that it could possibly be. It's good. Maybe that's why he's left it vague. It just said, my friend. My friend. So now we'll never know who it could, could be. Any be. Of them. Who the mole could be for Tom Brady. Uh, all right, let's move on. We got two beers left. Five. Five. All right, boys, before beer number five, it's time to ask the question that Bob Costas was asked on CNN. Are the Chiefs becoming, in fact, America's team? Nothing else. I think the Chiefs now, it can safely be said, are America's team. The Dallas Cowboys have had that moniker for a long time, and they're still a glamour franchise, but they haven't been to the Super Bowl since the mid-'90s. For a hot minute, they were saying Detroit is America's team. For a hot minute. Sentimentally, yeah. They would have been a sentimental favorite if they got to the Super Bowl, and it would have been a great storyline 49ers are a good storyline too but now the Chiefs have been to four of the yeah. last five Super Bowls yeah. they have the best quarterback in the game even That's though there Mahomes. are others really yeah. who are really good he's exciting he improvises he's charismatic mm-hmm. they've got him Andy Reid's been around a long time went to the Super Bowl with Philadelphia and now with the Chiefs they've got Travis Kelsey and his romance with Taylor Swift he yes. was a big deal to begin with and now it blows up bigger yes. plus the State Farm commercials yes you don't have to know a screen pass from a field goal to know something about the Kansas City Chiefs 
State Farm is so happy they got in the end there from Bob Costas. But Bink, <laughs> do you agree with maybe the best sports personality in media? Bob Costas, the Chiefs, in fact, America's team. Well, I think when you just look at the TV ratings alone, it kind of tells you right there. People are watching this team. The numbers are up there and even higher than the Cowboys in a lot of instances. I mean, every every week we're getting these uh, ratings in. 64 million peak viewership of the AFC title game with Baltimore. doesn't seem to matter when they play at night or the middle of the afternoon. People are watching it. Out of the top 100 shows in 2023 of anything, 15 of those were the Kansas City Chiefs. 93 of them were NFL game. 15 of them were Kansas City Chiefs, and they keep setting records. So are there people that hate the Chiefs? Absolutely. They're the villain. But you know what? People want to watch the villain lose. So everybody is tuning in to the Kansas City Chiefs. They can say whatever they want, but they're still watching. They're still watching. They won't admit it, but they're watching. So, yes, they are crossing over into America's team. No. I don't think they're America's team. I think they're Alabama. I think they're Duke. I think they're the Yankees. You can't win as much as the Chiefs do and be beloved. Oh, no, they're, they're, they're hated, but people are still watching. No, of course. I mean, they're watching because they're the best team. They want to see them lose. Yeah, I, I think Kansas City has sort of crossed over in the same way that the Golden State Warriors did. Like, in the very beginning, you remember Steph from the run in the NCAA tournament, and you wanted to see them win championships. And then they started winning. Like, I don't want to see Golden State win any more championships. There are very few teams that get to this point where the rest of the country is tired of seeing you win. That's where I think Which Kansas is City is. So, no, I, I they're, they're not America's team in that way. They're right where you want them. It's the people that love them, they love to watch them, Chiefs Kingdom, wherever they're at, they want to see them, and then the other people want to see them lose. They've got them exactly where you want people. Yeah, that's They the, want you to tune in to see you lose or see you win. That's exactly where the Chiefs have them. People care. They bring out emotion of sports fans watching the game because people really care. They want to see the Chiefs lose and or win, so they've got them right where they want them. That's the Duke basketball. That's what? Alabama football. That's Once you get to that level... Yeah. That's where you are. You are the Patriots now. They're the Patriots. Are you be, can you imagine telling, oh, the Patriots are American. That's not my team. I don't want to see them win. That's how I think people feel about the Chiefs now. You made it. Uh, all right. We are. This is good. This is center block. This mm-hmm. is uh, the playoff pills. This is the old Padron. We haven't officially rated this. I wanted to rate. Uh, I had it in, in there in the box, and for some reason I didn't switch them out, but I had the call sign, the Freedom Lager in there, which is a, a delicious beer. But this is the old Padron, which, by the way, Used to just be there. You had to go there to center block to get this. One we collaborated with them uh, means uh, playoffs in Italian, Il Padrone. But we have not officially rated this. But now you can find it at liquor stores, both on the Kansas side that Rob said. And I got it up at Bubbles up north in Parkville. So it's on the Missouri side and the Kansas side. Little Il Padrone. But this is a very smooth, highly crushable beer. High crushability. You like Coors Lights? like drinking like a bunch of Coors Lights. Mm, but It has way tasty. more flavor than Coors yeah, Lights. Yeah, of course it is. Oh, yeah, but it's highly crushable like that. This would be a great one to bring to the party. The packaging is like chief centric. There's a high crushability to it. The flavor is good. This is perfect. Bring a KC beer to a Super Bowl wash party type of energy. 100%. I'm kind of torn between the best beer that I think we've had so far between that playoff Pilsner and that traditional Reds Irish Ale. I I think the Irish Ale had, had a little bit more flavor than I think the playoff Pilsner, but I, I, I did really enjoy it. Uh, I'd probably give it... 7.1, 7.3, somewhere in that range. I'd go right at eight with it because I think it's absolutely delicious like it. what they've done. I've enjoyed this less because they've had, like I said, you used to have to go there and get it out of the keg, but now you can go to any liquor store and pick up some El Padron as well. 
It's a good look, too. It's a good look for the Chiefs. All right, so we have one beer left to try. We'll come back. We have to ask you to do this. We have asked everyone else to do it. You're the last person that we will ask this to. We need your five favorite things that come in a bowl. So because the Chiefs are playing in the Super Bowl, we have asked every in-studio guest to give us their top five things in a bowl. You're the last person that we are going to maybe ever ask this question to. Five things in a bowl. We need your list coming up on the other side, and we'll finish this beer, and we'll keep talking about Super Bowl 58. Keep it right here, Sir Drive. You're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison, brought to you by Deep Esqually Moore. Car, truck, or motorcycle wreck? Remember, Mike's got this. On your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Kansas City is Justin Reed. You're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. couple of things from you before we get out of here. Number one, we need to finish these six beers that you have gotten. Sure. This has been a very fun journey that you have taken us on. Very different kinds of beers. We have to close things out. The Sierra Nevada Hop Bullet Magnum Edition. It is a Imperial IPA. It is from Mills River, North Carolina. Also Chico, California. How is it in two different places? They brew it uh, on both coasts. Okay, all right. Well, shout out to them. Uh, I think we've had Sierra. I don't think we. I know we, we haven't, haven't had, had this kind. I know we've had this brand before. This yeah. brewery. Uh, I'm excited to try it. What's boy, our question, Rob? Boy, do I love the smell of this one. I ain't gonna lie to you. That's it's eight percent too. Beer. Eight percent rub. It's actually nine point five. Oh. Nine point five percent on. Oh, is that what it says? Yeah, nine point five. I'm beer advocate headed at eight. All right, boys, let's talk about it. Question number mm. six. Do you guys agree with Charles Barkley? I'm going to look right in that camera. If you're screaming Uh-oh. at the Swift saying she ruined her, you're just a loser. Uh, <laughs> you're just a loser or a jackass. You can be A or B. One you're, of the two. One of the two. Ben, can you explain why people just won't let Taylor and Travis live their life and this is somehow a talking point? I don't know. They still watch, though, and she's hardly shown. Carrington, you had that stat out there with that, uh, that graph of how many times somebody's shown. Now, I think she was getting tired of it last week. You read her lips and they, uh, where the cameras are showing her. She just wanted to sit there in the background and not uh, steal the limelight, which I appreciate. I think that's great. But, uh, yes, the NFL is getting exactly what they want. They're getting viewership out of the deals, which is important uh, to what they're getting. But, uh, yeah, I, they, they keep showing her. I don't think she really wants to be shown at certain times. So, But they keep doing it. And I understand why they're doing it. They're doing it for ratings. I will say this, though. My uh, my favorite thing about Taylor Swift is whenever Isaiah Pacheco scores and she does the Billy Bob Thor. Right. Ten. Right. Ten every time. She actually gets more excited when Pacheco scores yeah. than when Travis scores. Yeah. I love well, it. Don't we all, though? I mean, yeah, she no. was doing high fours during the uh Yeah, I, I, I like game. when Pacheco, when she does the little hand. I like that. I'm a big fan. All right, Bink. Final beer. Hot bullet. Mm. Right, the, hot, the hot bullet. So it says 9.5 in that can, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, goodness. For IPA, this is, this is oh, delicious. Baby, this is going in the nines. I figured you'd like this one, Rob. The Hot Bullet. Sierra Nevada. This one also has a very high crushability. Oh, yeah. This gets you uh, pretty tank, too. No thanks. Pretty tank seven. It's a uh, no thanks for me, Jay Binkley. Really? Yeah. I think for an IPA, this is delicious. I don't think it gets much better than this. It's a no thanks from your boy at C. Harrison. Ooh, it's hoppy. It's flavorful. That's 
That's the IPA you want. That's a 9.2. It's a 4.1 for me. I'm going to still go 8.1. That actually it. was my least favorite one. I'm not going to go with the Porters. Well, I had to mix it up a little bit. Yeah, that was my least favorite one. Really? It was. I just, I wasn't a big that fan. That surprises me, though. You have the Porters ahead of it. It was for the Porter from yeah, my founders. Was, I, I'd rather have the Porter. I'd rather drink that than have more of that. Really? I had to pick between the two. What was your uh, top three? Uh, the top three was Founders Porter. Okay. Boulevard Irish Hill. Il Padron. I had that IPA at the end, the Sierra Nevada at one, Padron at two, the Founders Porter at three. Yeah, I'm going to go uh, the Irish Ale. Really? I'm going to go with the Il Padron. Um, you like the Yingling uh, Porter a lot. I did like that. I I just would like that more if you could mix it with something else. Like if, if that was part of your... <laughs> mix the beer. Yeah, if, if that was part of your holiday cocktail, yeah. I actually would really, really like it. Um, I, I like the Cerveza. I just I thought it was going to have a little bit more bite than, uh, than uh, what it ended up having. Uh, Binkley, before we get you out of here and sign off for the week, we have had everybody do this that's come in studio this really? week. So I would like for you to do it as well. I would like to get your five favorite foods that come in a bowl. Five that come in a bowl. Your five favorite foods. Let me start uh, one to five or five to one? Five to one. Five R- to one. Hold on, Rob. Hit the music. We gave you the music for this one. How about a burrito bowl? Got to have the burrito bowl. You're the come first in. person to pick this. Really? Really? Number four? Give me a bowl, bowl of, of ice cream. What's your Chipotle order? Chipotle? Like, yeah, yeah, what's your Chipotle Steak, order? rice, a little bit of cheese. You go salsa. white rice or brown rice? Uh, either one. I'm actually, I don't care. Either one. Okay. So I'll say, okay, brown or white. It's subjective on there. Okay. But I'm good with either. A bowl of cookie dough ice cream would come in at four. Drink one of those porters with it. You kidding me? Those are good ice cream beers, Rob. That was number one was actually Nate Taylor's was ice cream. Was that right? He had ice cream number one. Number three, a mac and cheese bowl. Ooh, mac and cheese. First person to pick mac and cheese. With some bacon on it and some buffalo uh, hot wing sauce on it. Got to have the buffalo sauce on the macaroni, but the macaroni at number three in the bowl. Number two, a bowl of cereal, man. Got to have a bowl of cereal. Um, 100% uh, like anything that's cereal in a bowl, 100% that's uh, it's always been a go-to staple since been young to old. Got to do that. And number one, in a bowl, besides getting a haircut, chili. Got to have chili in a bowl. I think that's the number one bowl thing is chili. What's your favorite cereal? What's that? What's your favorite cereal? Yeah, I like Wheaties. I still like Wheaties a lot. Just like regular old yeah, just just cornflakes, regular Wheaties. Cornflakes. I like Fruit Loops. I like all that stuff. Breakfast but of Champions. Rice Krispies. I yeah. like those a lot. Rice Krispies, it would be up there in Wheaties. Do you add like fruit to your cereals like that? Like if you're going to eat a bowl of Wheaties, would you like cut the banana nope. up and, and put it in there? Some or? sugar on it. Yeah, maybe add some raisins or something? No. Nope. Don't do, add anything. Just sugar. Okay. Binkley's you know? top five foods that come in a bowl, burrito bowl, ice cream, Mac and cheese, cereal, and chili. Great list from you, Jay Binkley. I'm I'm very happy with this list. This is a, this is a very very strong five favorite foods that come in a bowl. Yeah. Disappointed that no one picked ramen noodles because ramen noodles are amazing. Apparently, chili is the most popular food among the media in Kansas City. Everyone had chili in their top five. Yeah, really? Chili wouldn't be in my top five. I'm not a big chili guy. I don't like beans, so that's a major reason why I'm not a big chili guy. 
Fritos, cheese, onions, jalapenos, boom. So yesterday we were having this debate, and you're a perfect person to have on to ask this question. So let's say that you are the visitor during a Super Bowl party. Like, let's say Rob hits you up and says, hey, you know what? We would love to have you come to our Super Bowl party. You're like, great. Hey, I don't want to watch the game by myself. I want to watch it with some friends. I'm going to head over there. What are you bringing over there? Because this is what I would bring. I'm bringing one bottle of wine. I'm giving that as a gift to Rob's lady. Hey, you know what? I appreciate you being the host. I appreciate you having us here. I'm going to give you a bottle of wine. And then I'm bringing a a six-pack of something that I think that Rob and I both would like. Like, I can find something that both Rob and I would drink. Maybe Padron? Yeah. So I'm normally, I'm keeping my visitor pack around $25 to $30. I'm bringing a, you know, $16 to $18 bottle of wine. And then I'm bringing a six-pack. I think I've done my part. But you probably have been to a lot of Super Bowl parties as, as the visitor. How does, what does Jay Brinkley bring to the function i would bring a nice boxed wine okay franzia you know because it's current classy. Beer. yeah yeah classy. box of franzia yeah, real classy they would be there i'd bring that i'd bring beer i'd definitely bring some uh, craft beer for people to enjoy and i wouldn't bring anything else like that'd be it that's it be, it's too much let's just, just tap out at that okay i just wanted to know i'm a big buffalo chicken dip guy love a buffalo chicken dip i don't usually bring dips and stuff like i'm bad about that I don't know how to make any of the dips. That's I don't why, either. That's why I get the daisy dip. They already have done all the work for me. Yeah. I just got to show up. Yeah, hey, I can do here. that. But hey, I've got the daisy dip. You guys want any dip? Here, yeah. you can have it. But I don't typically bring much stuff. Okay. All right. Liquor um, store stop is good enough. Yeah, no, I just, I was curious to know. I just, these are questions we ask other people, and there's there's no better person to ask these questions. If to I can't bite a mean. quick trip, it doesn't happen, you know what I mean? Oh, that makes that makes perfect sense. You, you're definitely not getting a buffalo chicken dip. Or hy V or something. Depends on who has the box now, wine. Now, hy V might have it. Yeah. Hy-Vee, uh, box. hy V uh, definitely could have it. Are you surprised that they got here? Just based on this season, watching them every single week, you do the pre and post. Are you surprised that the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl? I am. I am, but uh, for for a little bit, a little bit of it, the way they were playing, the way they're performing, the drop uh, passes, but they found a way to overcome it. They really became themselves. They realized who and what they were. But this defense has always been sick, and I've thought about this since day one. I was saying it's the best defense Mahomes had going back to OTAs in May. I said because of last year, the way they really stood up last year, they finished second in the NFL in sacks, and they started getting better. And they were 11th in yards against last year. And I kept saying this is a top 10 defense. I didn't think they'd be this good. I didn't think they'd be this good, but they were number 11 last year in yards against. I said, they're on their way. They're on their way. They're so young, and they were young again this year, the youngest defense in the NFL. But no, I didn't think that uh, – I thought that they would stumble a little bit because that's what they showed, but they found a way to win. But I should never doubt any team uh, with Mahomes as leader. It's been an unbelievable job by him. Yeah, I mean, I, I've – I've been really big on, I think something happened at the end of the season where the Chiefs just finally accepted, hey, if we're going to go on a run here, this is the kind of team that we need to be. We need to be a team that relies on our run game. This is the team that really needs Rasheed Rice to emerge and start to figure things out and be the focal point of our passing game. And I don't know if this team is here, if they have to go all out in week 18 that I think allowing Travis Kelsey a week off at his age that late in the season, I think has done him absolute wonders. Like there is no player in the league that benefited more from a rest at the end of the season than Travis Kelsey. 
He is back to being wide receiver number one. I don't think he was that over the course of the regular season. He was a productive player, but I'm talking about best player on the field, wide receiver run. You don't have anybody that can defend me. And I think once you add that to a very dangerous run game to Rasheed Rice, who has emerged as a very capable wide receiver, you've got a quarterback who hasn't thrown an interception in his last six postseason games, only taken two sacks this year in the postseason, and the best defense in the league, you're going to be able to beat just about anybody you play. They travel well. Defense travels everywhere. Mahomes travels everywhere. I've gone over the stats uh, many times he's better statistically in almost every category on the road than he is at home. That's why I was kind of shocked when people were making a big deal uh, nationally about them playing a road game because it's where they are. I mean, they were six and two on the road this year and five and four at home, so it was different. They just don't lose on the road very often. This defense does travel. And Rasheed Rice, what can you say about him? He didn't hit that rookie wall whatsoever. He just got better. Like he got better and better and better. Now you see why they drafted him. Brett Veach hit a home run with this draft pick. He ended up number two in the NFL in rookie uh, catches and yards uh, from rookie wide receivers. So he's better than every other rookie except for Puka Nakua. And I can't give the Rams a bunch of credit for that one because they did pass on him four times before finally getting him. So yeah, Puka's that outlier. Like Tom Brady was an outlier, right? Yeah, I mean, Puka just had, I mean, you can't really have a much better but rookie season. Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers, yeah. all those guys. Rasheed Rice had better numbers. Give him a lot of credit for that. Yeah, no, ab- ab- absolutely. For a team that desperately needed to hit at wide receiver, they they hit on wide receiver. And a, a big thing for me once we get to the offseason is going to be you got to take more than one swing. Like I think yeah. I think some of the reason why their wide receiver room is in the state that it is is you just haven't taken a lot of swings lately that you probably need to take another swing at running back. This offseason. I think they take two or three swipes at the real skill positions in this draft. Yeah, you probably need to get one more running back. I don't know if Clyde's going to be on the team next year. Jarek McKinnon battled injuries. It's time now as you are heading into the third year of Isaiah Pacheco's career. And we're not sure if he's going to be a long term on the team. I don't know if that's the guy that you're going to pay long term. It's probably time for you to go draft a running back. You know you're going to need to either invest, whether it's via the draft and wide receiver or free agency. You just got to take a couple more swings at skill position players. And they really miss Jarek McKinnon. I mean, who was so big on that playoff run last year. He was Mr. December and January. Guy had nine touchdowns after uh, the month of December. The guy was unbelievable what he did, and especially for the minimum veteran uh, uh, contract, the one-year contract that he got with the Chiefs ended up uh, getting another one. But uh, Jerick McKinnon made a huge difference, and that, that's been a big loss for this team. Right now, we're joined in studio by our guy, Jay Binkley. Binkley, which Rocky is your favorite today? We saw that Carl Weathers passed away. Or Apollo Creed, he passed away. Are you a Rocky 3 or a Rocky 4 individual? I think 3. I enjoyed 3 with Drago. I think that that's had 4. Some, was that for Rocky 4? Yeah, Rocky okay. 4 is the Russian. Okay, so 3 is, a, is, is Clubber Lang and Mr. Okay. T. So which one was Tommy the Duke? Uh, that's number Tommy five. Morris, that five. Well, that was fun because, you know, the Kansas City references and stuff like that. So that was always fun uh, with Tommy Morrison in it. But my favorite was Drago. So that was four then. Okay. I, uh, I, I would probably, if I had to, like, rank it, I would rank it. I mean, Rocky 1 is just, Rocky 1 is a great all-time movie. I don't even look at Rocky one as being a sports movie. Like I know that it is. It's just a really, really good movie that just sports are happening. Every other movie after that becomes a sports movie. Rocky one, three, four. I'd rather watch five than watch two. I two's depressing. We seen Tommy and it was fun. Yeah. Two's depressing. It's just, uh, it's just an hour of just sadness. 
Adrian's in the hospital. Rocky doesn't want to fight. He's just walking around moping. He's not himself to the very end of the movie. Uh, five and then two. That's probably how I rank the original five. I'm a, I'm a big Rocky individual. Why does Ro- the Rocky six count in the originals? It's it's an original. I don't know what Rocky six is. Like Rocky six is just I don't know. It's just its own movie. It's very hard for me to explain. Like those other ones just happened in succession, and then Rocky six is just he's old. He's like 57 years old. He's like watching ESPN, and then this video game is happening. He's like, oh wait, I'm gonna fight. I don't, I I don't know. I don't consider it in that same. I I just it's it's its own movie. I don't know what to do with Rocky Balboa. It's like you got the Creed series and you got the first five Rockies, and then there's one movie that's just I don't know what to do with. <laughs> I mean, isn't Rocky Balboa just the worst version of Creed? Like his son is like trying to get him to fight. Isn't that just like the inverse of Creed, but done horribly wrong? I haven't seen that one in such a long time. I maybe do need to watch it over the weekend. I'm I'm really sad by Carl Weathers passing, man. I love the Rocky series. Apollo Creed, Chubbs, rest in peace. Looks like Carl Top Gun, Weathers. we're going to get another one. I, yeah, they're going to make a third one. Oh, can't wait. I don't want to say Rob's theory yet for Rob for Top Gun 3. I'm going to wait because Rob has a theory of what he thinks. Does Maverick finally make Admiral or is he retired? He thinks that Maverick's going to die in this one. Oh. He thinks that Maverick dies and then they continue it with Miles. Then Keller. Rooster becomes kind yeah. of what the Maverick was. You can't. I mean, you've got to. Tom Cruise can retire. He can't die. He's got to at least make Admiral, didn't he? He can't die. No. Absolutely not. Bank, man, this was a, a great Enjoy way it. to end our week, man. We are going to go full throttle for the next five shows to help get you guys ready for Super Bowl 58 between the Chiefs and the 49ers. We'll be back on Monday. Hopefully you are here as well. Take care of yourself. And until then, I'll let Daniel Craig take you home. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.